What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 84, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. Bada boom. What's going on, Frank? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It is a magnificent time to be an NHL fan right now. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially as a New Jersey Devils fan. I'm sure you're on cloud nine right now. They haven't won seven straight games. What's going on, Skokes? They haven't won seven straight games since 2011, which, not getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about them in just a minute. Frank, it's been, I saw a commercial and it suggested that we're entering a golden age in the NHL. Do you agree? Eh, I don't know. I would say see, no. See, I think we are. Like, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Mew played at the same time. And in their prime, that was a golden age. Oh, is that what you Rob, mean by a golden age? Yeah, like, like the game is at its best when there is, like, multiple legends skating around every single night. And I believe the NHL has more legends in their early 20s right now than probably they ever have. Hmm. I, I can't think of a time period in the NHL because, like, when Bobby Orr was just about done, Wayne came in, and then Mario came in a little bit later, but, like, Gordy was done, and Bobby Hall was done, and, like, Iserman came at the tail end of Wayne and Mario, and then Joe Thornton kind of, like, bridged the gap of, like, the best player with Yager, but Yager was, like, the second half of Wayne's prime, but the first part of Sidney Crosby's prime. And then Crosby and Ovechkin kind of led the way for a long time. And then you throw in Malkin and really nobody else was as good as those three for 10 years. And you had the the A-tier players like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Kopitar, Stamkos. But who, now, are the, who are the legends? That are just getting going right now? Yeah, who would you say is a legend? I, mean, I can think of like three. McDavid, Makar, McKinnon, Kucherov. I mean, you you will see what happens with Bedard. I think Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier are stealing the show. So like, I think McKinnon, Matthews, and McDavid, those are the, the legends now. Okay. That's what I would say. M- okay, maybe legend is the wrong word, but I think the 30 best players in the NHL are the – it's the best 30 best players ever, and it's not close. I don't know. Like whoever the the thirtieth best player in the NHL is right now would have been the second or third best player in every other era. I mean, are you saying of all time? No, you saying the thirtieth best player right now is better than the one of all time? No, 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 no. 
I'm you saying mean that, that I, if you I were to take the 30th best player now and put him in that generation, you're saying he would be like the fourth or fifth best player. Yeah. Like, hmm. like I just think the game today is so fast. It's so skilled. And every single game, do you know, through however many games we are right now, we've broken a record for most comebacks in the NHL. No, team, no team is dead. No, there are only like two or three teams that stink. And the Bruins are the only team that have dominated everyone they've played. Hey, like, Vegas has two pretty much. Vegas. Vegas has a better record than the Bruins right now. Vegas does have a better record than the Bruins right now, but my Leafs gave them everything they can handle yesterday. Yeah. They really, really did, and I thought they were going to end up winning. It took some late-game heroics from the Vegas Golden Knights to get that game tied, and then once it goes to overtime, once it goes to overtime, it's a tie, and then another team gets an extra point because they are, you know, they get the lucky play in overtime. That's kind of how I view it, honestly, mm-hmm. and because you know, three on three. If Arizona goes to three on three, Clayton Keller can make a play against right. the Bruins or the Golden Knights and make it win. Like, so, you know, shout out to the Leafs. But yeah, Vegas is very good. Um, there are teams that we thought were going to be really good that stink right now, like Pittsburgh, like um, the Blues. Okay. These Nashville, these teams suck right now. They could be good later. I, I fully believe all those teams can bounce back. But like, I don't know. I, I just think in terms of competitive balance, number of elite players, number the fact that the middle tier players are better than most elite players from 20 years ago. Like, I don't know. Like Gabe Velarde wasn't even supposed to make the Kings. And then an injury to Victor Arvidsson, boom, he's in the lineup. He's third in the league with 10 goals. Yeah. Like, I, I just think it's so fun to be a hockey fan right now. And the team that is the most fun to be a fan of right now is the team we will lead things off with in period number one. Frank, I try to stay reserved on this show when it comes to talking about the New Jersey Devils mm-hmm. because I'm a fan of that team. It, it courses through my veins to cheer on that team. It has for a really long time. And it's been painful for all but one year, about a decade. 2012, you might remember, we hung out a lot that summer. We watched game six together when they lost yep. the Stanley Cup final to the Los Angeles Kings. And for the, since then, this is the 10-year anniversary of that team. And they've only been in the playoffs once in that span since. And they've seen guys like Zach Parisi walk in free agency to the Minnesota Wild. And Ilya Kovalchuk retired to go play at home in the KHL. Um, David Clarkson was sent off to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then he sucked there, so I bet he regretted that decision. But Martin Brodeur retired. Patrick Elias retired. Um, You know, lots of good players moved on. They were bad. And then they started to build things up from scratch when they were probably – they probably at one point, they were never the worst team in the league points-wise, but they were probably the least set up long-term for three or four years. And then they struck gold with two lotteries, and both of the players that they drafted are elite now. And they've hit on a couple other picks. Jesper Bratt was a sixth-round pick. I mean, he's probably going to start getting into Joe Pavelski, Pavel Datsuk-level territory of elite players taken in the fifth round or later. And... 
Henrik Lundqvist, you know, guys like that taken so late, buffling. Um, I'm always reserved to sounding like a homer on this podcast. They've won seven straight games. They're so fucking good. I can't believe what I'm seeing from them. And you absolute mutants on Twitter.com who gave me shit for all these years for believing in Jack Hughes, for believing in Nico Heischer, believing that they would one day be elite enough to lead this team to success. Maybe, just maybe, my optimism wasn't blind. Maybe I was just using these eyeballs, perfectly good working eyeballs, to tell you that these guys have the tools to get it done. Are they there right now? No. They're not McDavid. They're not Matthews. What those two clowns have done in the first couple years of their career is unprecedented. You don't score 40 as an 18-year-old. You don't have 100 points in your second year. That's just something that does not happen regularly. Enjoy Matthews and McDavid for what they are. For Heesher and Hughes, it took time. And I believed in them all this time. And maybe my blind optimism didn't come at the expense of common sense. Maybe it was just me using a scout's overall bird's eye point of view. The Devils are very good. They're led by very good players. And they're coming for the next 10 years or more. Watch out for them. Frank. What do you make of this long seven-game winning streak that the New Jersey Devils have had? You, you've you been higher on the Devils lately than me. And, you know, I love when people say I'm Mr. Optimistic, whatever. I'm not. I've been hard on them. I don't even know what people are talking about. You reeled me in on this team, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Well, they're a lot better than I thought they would be. I didn't think they'd start out 10-3. and three. But nonetheless, I feel kind of smart having them in a playoff spot preseason because I do think they will get there, especially that the way they came out swinging as of late. Um, I mean, yeah, this team is 10-3. and three. They're first in the Metropolitan Division, which is just pretty amazing to me, especially when you're 13 games into the season. If you're like four or five games in the season and they're 4-1, and one, well, I mean, you really can't talk that much shit. you like, it's just five games. But now you're, you're talking about a chunk of the season, 13 out of 82 games um, into the season, and they're in first place. And on their seven-game win streak, They've beaten Calgary twice, Edmonton, Colorado. So we're talking about they've dominated some pretty good teams along the way, which is pretty good to see from this young team. And I think that that makes their future even brighter. Um, You also got to take a look at there's three, I would say, powerhouses right now on this team. Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, and Jesper Bratt. They've been the most – those players have been the three – biggest players to this team's success so far, right? Nico Heischer's got uh, 14 points. He's got six goals and eight assists. Jesper Bratt is just, he's not human. He's got five goals and 13 assists for 18 points, which I was not expecting production from him like that. But then Jack Hughes has four goals, eight assists for 12 points, which is good. That is, um, that's a point per game. Right, but you want to see a little more out of Jack Hughes, when, especially when these other guys like Jesper Brett and Nico Heischer have more points than you. Because I, I think out of the three, Jack Hughes is the best one of those three. So you'd still like to see a little more production from him. Fantastic, though. Not complaining about point per game. I'm not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But then you also got to look at what is what else has made the Devils successful. Right? It's not just those three guys. Because when you're not getting the production that I thought I would see from Jack Hughes, um, you got guys like. Dawson Mercer, Sharon Govich, 
Miles Wood, right? Mercer's got four goals. Sharon, Go, uh, Sharon Govitz has got three goals, and Miles Wood has eight points for with five of those being goals. So you got other guys on this team besides your three big guns chipping in. And that's ultimately why they've been successful. That's why they've been able to take down the Avalanche. That's why they've been able to take down Edmonton and Calgary. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this could be the Devils' division. Wow. So I was going to ask. I mean, you might have just answered it, but because if if you're a division winner, you're a Stanley Cup contender, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If you come out of 82 games with the best record in your division of eight teams, it's not even like it's a. It's not like it's baseball. Not every division winner in baseball is a contender for the World Series. Like you can lock into it, I guess. But like, not every uh, division winner is a contender in baseball. In hockey, if you're one of four division winners out of 32, you are a cup contender. So I was going to ask you before you made that statement, and you could still answer it. What would the New Jersey Devils need to do to be a Stanley Cup contender, in your opinion? Because it's hard to go from like second overall pick to winning the cup. But if you're saying you think they're going to win the division, I mean, dude. I think there's a chance that they could win the division. I think that what I've seen so far, they got to obviously, we're not even a quarter of the way through the season. We got a long season ahead of us. So it's easy to like get ahead of ourselves here and say, oh my God, this could be the Devils division. There are teams in the Devils division that I think that could really step it up here at any point. Um, one of those being the New York Rangers. But so I think we, we got a long way to go. Um, I do think, though, like I said, they do have a chance to win the division. Now to win the cup, it's a little bit of a different story because I don't know if I necessarily see them winning the cup this year, despite of how good they are. I think to win a cup, you need a lot of experience. It's very, very, very rare that you see a team this young go into the playoffs and just win the Stanley Cup. I mean, look at some of the teams who have won the Stanley Cup recently in the past decade. They've all had experience. They've all had players that have aged and you know gotten that experience. Um, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Chicago, right? Like they've all had experience. And even Colorado had a little bit of experience being in the playoffs the past few years. So with this young Devils team, just getting into the playoffs, I think is is a big step for them. But just to play those playoff games and play those big pressurized game pressurized games this year potentially, I think that helps them a long way. It also depends what they want to do at the trade deadline. Do they want to get a veteran at the trade deadline? Like they already got Andre Palat but he's injured. But do they want to get somebody kind of like that and like fill a role as that veteran role going into the playoffs? I think that would help a ton. Honestly, I think that that would be a tremendous way to help these young guys learn from a veteran who's been in the playoffs before. Do they want to go for a goaltender? Right now, it doesn't look like they really need one, to be honest with you. I was worried about their goaltending, but I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily what they need to focus on right now. I think focusing on getting some veteran um, you know, assets in the locker room may help this team in the long run. But right now, these young guys got it cooking. We've seen every recent cup champion, Colorado, Tampa, Pittsburgh, the Blues, Washington, Chicago, Los Angeles. Before winning their cups, they all made it deep in the playoffs. And exactly. Beforehand. Exactly. Uh, McKinnon and the Avalanche, they were perennial second-round chokers. Them making it to the conference finals last year was huge. People were like, oh, Colorado made it to the conference finals. They finally didn't lose in the second round, right? Yeah. And 
you know, Tampa, they lost in the Stanley Cup final to Chicago. People forget that. A lot of people forget that the Stamkos core has four cup appearances, not just three. They have four. They're two and two, which is great. Sign me up for two and two in the Stanley Cup final for my, like, we all would sign up for that. Uh, I hate when people hold losing in the cup against, you know, cores and whatnot. Like, they hold... LeBron is what four and seven in the NBA finals. People hold the seven against him. Like, would you rather him lose in the conference finals before? <laughs> like, so he could be four and oh, like, no, you just sound dumb. Um, so, but yeah, so if the devils make it to the playoffs, I'll be thrilled. The only ones on the team who have played in a playoff series, he sure Hamilton has won the cup. I, did Hamilton win the cup with the Bruins or did he? I don't remember. I think Hamilton might have been the question year after. for Joey. <laughs> he might have been on the team the year after. I don't remember exactly when Hamilton. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. He might have been on that Bruins team that lost to the Hawks, though. I don't think he was on the team in 2011. I don't remember. I remember when he was. I'd almost say, like, I know for a fact he wasn't. He was traded to Calgary in 2014, if I recall. I don't think so, he was on the team. And then he was part of the Fox trade. Uh-huh. Calgary traded Fox and Hamilton to Carolina in exchange for Hannafin, a first-round pick, something like that. And then Fox chose to not sign with Carolina, and he signed with the Rangers in free agency. But not a lot of people really realize that one of the best defensemen in the league was on two teams before stepping on the NHL ice with the Rangers. But as back to the Devils, speaking of Hamilton's been amazing. He scored mm-hmm. yesterday. The assists are piling up. He hadn't scored a goal in a while. I don't care if Hamilton scores goals, though, to be honest with you. As long as he keeps dishing the puck, if he has 40, 50 assists this season and like 10 to 15 goals, sign me up for that any day of the week. That would probably get him a top five Norris Trophy nod. Uh, he might not win it, but he'll be like in that mix, I would think. Vanacek has been amazing. And listen, Jack Hughes, like you said, Kind of kind of slow based on his standards. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with point per game. If he had That's 82 great. points this year, I'd be fine. Right, right. We, I think there will be years where he has 100. And in order to get 100 points, you need to be like a 1.3 point per game player. Esher's on pace for 100. Uh, Brat is on pace for 100. I think Hughes, though, there will come a point where maybe Nico pulls back just a little bit because he does focus a lot of his game on the defensive side, and that helps him pick up secondary assists and stuff like that. And that's how Taves is going to get to the Hall of Fame. Bergeron's going to go to the Hall of Fame because of stuff like that. Barkov, okay, I had Barkov in fantasy one time. Thank goodness for secondary assists. I made it to the finals last year and lost to Dylan thanks to Barkov and his secondary assists. Those matter. That's real stuff right there. And there's a reason they hand them out. And being a great defensive player is really helping Heesher. It's translating to points now. Um, I think right now he's the best player on the team. I think Jack Hughes has a slightly higher upside, but right now Nico Heischer is the best player on the team. He makes plays. Yesterday he broke up a goal that Calgary was about to score by getting his stick in there last second. It was a sure goal. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Mangiapane or Toffoli, but, you know, the Calgary Flames, they're damn good. They're they're cold right now, and we'll get – are we getting to the Flames today? We might get to the Flames next week. But the Flames are a little bit cold right now. Um, but that doesn't matter. They're, they're cold because the Devils played them hard and they yeah. had a tough loss to the Islanders in overtime on Monday. But I'm high on this team right now and I cannot wait to see where it goes. Yeah, it's just it, – it all comes down to that experience that I was talking about. And, and, like, even if the Devils mustered up a record like 60 wins, right, they just end up in getting the 60 wins, 120-point Devil team, I still wouldn't necessarily know if they'd win the Cup. 
I mean, it's right. kind of like come kind of similar to the Seattle Mariners. I wanted them to win the World Series, but they have no playoff experience. Who won the World Series this year? A team that's been in how many ALCS championships that have this experience? And it's just, I mean, come on. I, I believe, have... I believe the Mariners would have beaten anybody else. I think that's they need the a little bit I'm more experience. Though. They they do need more experience, and maybe they'll get it next. Because this was their first playoff in twenty something years. Yeah, I I think they had a rough draw. And I, I feel that way about the 2021 White Sox, too. Like, you played the Astros. They've been in the World Series the last two years. And they got been, that experience. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did, and they it wasn't always pretty. It was not always pretty for Houston. In 2016, they failed. The year the Cubs won the World Series. But they made it to the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and that's all that matters. That's what I'm saying. You got to get there. And yeah. I think with the Devils, the way they're playing, they're going to get there but there might be some heartbreak along the way, but that's part of winning. Yes. I am in no way, shape or form calling them, you know, a a contender at this point. I mean, if you make it to the playoffs with a high seat, you're a contender, right? Like anything Mm -hmm. can happen. If you have Jack Hughes and Nico, Heischer. you know, there are some guys who can live up to the moment and he sure has been in the playoffs. So is Palat. What if they, I do think they're going to make a trade for a goal scoring winger. It wouldn't surprise me if they look at old Vladimir Tarasenko has been in the rumors. Um, a man with experience. A, a Stanley Cup championship. Yeah. Multiple second round appearances. That's what I'm saying. Tarasenko. That's what I'm like, saying. Then guys like that will help. Vitek Vanacek has played in the playoffs with Washington. Uh, Dougie Hamilton. Graves was on Colorado you know, before getting traded to the Devils. So he's got some heartbreak in the playoffs uh, before. Siegenthaler. I believe Siegenthaler is a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, with Washington. Those are the moves that separate the champs from the non-playoff teams. Yes, 100%. They, they, they've been really smart lately, and I've enjoyed what I've seen from them. Um, You're never going to see the Devils at trade deadline trade for, like, Kirby Doc. What is that going to do for them? Yeah, yeah. They're going to go after a veteran. 100%. And, and I don't think Montreal is, like, dumb for making moves like that. They're not where the Devils are. Yet. No, right, right. The Dev- the Montreal Canadiens picking up Doc is like the Devils taking a chance on who have they taken? Uh, they they took a chance on Yegor Sharangovich a couple years ago, and it worked out for them long term. But they probably wouldn't go for a Yegor Sharangovich. No, right. Anymore. I just use Doc as an example like, no, of a I, of decent player who, but has no experience. I completely understand your point, and I'm glad you made it. Like that, that's smart stuff right there. Now, we're gonna flip over to a different thing here, and this is gonna be where you come in as the lead. Chicago Blackhawks are battling, and I know they got smoked by Winnipeg, and they haven't played. Have they played since getting smoked nope. by Winnipeg? They've been they on a little tomorrow. Bit of, yeah, they've played a little bit they of tomorrow off time. Off time for the Chicago Blackhawks, and now they got the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow. Frank, they're battling. They are battling. However, the 4-0 loss to Winnipeg was a bit of an eye-opener to say, like, wow, that's the team we expected the Chicago Blackhawks to be at the start of this season. I think the biggest flaw right now that this team has, it's not the young guys. It's not the veterans not performing the way they should, like Kane and Taves, because they have. They've been fantastic. It's the goaltending. The goaltending is what is their biggest flaw. And a lot of the bad teams that I see over the years, one of their, some of their biggest flaws is goaltending, kind of like why I was worried about the Devils last year and their goaltending. Um, 
However, we'll take a look at the Blackhawks' first nine games of the season. They're very competitive. They're still competitive, right? But what's different between the first nine games of the season and why they were competitive was not because of their goaltending, but their ability to score goals from this core and from their veterans like Kane and Taves. They, through their first nine games, they scored 31 goals. That is incredible. You're averaging over three goals per game. That's competitive. You're able to be competitive, not but because of who's in net, but because you're able to score and keep up with the teams. Like Edmonton. You score five against Edmonton. You lost the game. You were competitive, not because you're goaltending, but because you were able to put up five. But you got beat because of your goaltending, because they put up six. It's stuff like that. They were very competitive. They were able to score a lot of goals early on. Now we're going to take it back, and we're going to look at the past three games. In their past three games, they've only scored three goals. Now you go from scoring an average of over three goals per game, and now you're only averaging one goals per game. And now what happens? Well, now you, you, you can't score against Winnipeg. They beat the brakes off of you. You play a tight game against, um, who was it? Who did they, they beat two to one. Was it the Kings? They beat the Kings. Yeah, it was they beat was the, the Kings King. two to one. They, they couldn't score. Time. They couldn't score but they got lucky with goaltending. The game before that, they lost the Islanders 3-1. to they, they couldn't score. They scored one goal. They could have been competitive. If they were scoring the way they were in the first nine games, they would have been that competitive team in battling. But they're not getting a lot of consistency um, in the goaltending department. And I think that's what we're going to see basically this whole year from the Chicago Blackhawks. I think we're going to see a team that can battle. I think we're we're going to see a, a stretch where the Hawks win three or four in a row this season. But we're also going to see there's going to come a point in time this season where they're going to lose five in a row, maybe six in a row. We're going to have that inconsistent team, which is something that bugs me tremendously. I hate when teams are inconsistent, but I think that's what the Hawks are right now. I think we're, we're going to get a little bit of uh, both worlds from them. Um, and, and right now, I mean, you can't ask for better production from Taves and Kane. They're the leaders on this team. They have led the team, something that I've been wanting Taves to do for many years now, ever since they haven't made the playoffs, but he's finally getting in the groove of things. He's the leading goal scorer on this team, not Kane. I love that. Kane's the leading point scorer, but I love seeing Taves um, put the puck in the net. And, yeah, while they're being competitive right now, I don't know if I could, I can't say right now if the Hawks are going to get Bedard, right? You you just can't assume. You could be like you said, you could be the worst team in the league, and you're not. You might not get Bedard. So I can't make that assumption that they get him or not. But what I like from this team is that if the draft is as good as it's going to be, I don't expect the Hawks to make the playoffs. I still expect the Hawks to get somebody good from this year's draft, regardless if it's Bedard or Fantilli or whatever. Um, so I, I like what I see. I like that they're being competitive. They're five five and two. I can't complain about that. That's way better than I had them picked at this point of the season going into it. So I like to see competitive games. It makes it, as a Blackhawks fan, it makes it more interesting for me knowing that they're probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think, I no longer think they're like, now if they trade Kane or Taves or both, and, and listen, I, I haven't backed off that take. I truly think there's a chance that that happens because – there are so many teams that could just use guys like that. Like Colorado, they're struggling. They could use Patrick Kane and Gabe Landeskog's on the IR. You know, you could put someone on the LTIR and then figure it out when that person comes back. If you have someone like Kane, the Hawks have room to mm -hmm. retain on one more player. Like there are plenty of trades that this team can make. Trade Domi. 
Okay, he'll help someone. They could get something good for him. A second or third round pick would be great for Domi. Um, you could trade Mrazek if he somehow got hot and, you know, a team needed a backup. Some of their backup gets hurt or their starter gets hurt. Their backup gets promoted to starter. Now they have Mrazek as their backup just in case for the playoffs. You know, there are lots of different ways that this season can go. I do believe in them, though, in terms of their long-term plan. I like what Kyle Davidson has done. I've said it on this show for a couple months now that the Blackhawks – are in a way better spot now i actually enjoy being a chicagoan when talking about hockey you know because of what they've done lately and i think they've redeemed a lot of their past mistakes and kyle davidson he's taken a lot of stan bowman mistakes and just figuring it out accepting their losses saying hey um nicholas bodan he he's he's a bust okay we're gonna ship him out of here okay you know what what's gonna happen with so-and-so okay he's out of here like he's not looking for anything that's not there because of mistakes made by Stan Bowman. He's not. And, you know, we'll see how they address this big thing because you don't want to lose Taves and Kane for nothing if there are teams out there that will pay something for them. If they're going to walk in free – if Patrick Kane – listen, Buffalo's outstanding. If Buffalo wants to add hometown boy Patrick Kane and they'll give up, you know, they're not going to give up Owen Power or anything like that, but if they want to give up – um, a, a first round pick or something like that. To, so they can finally make the playoffs too. I think there's value in that for the Blackhawks and it's a really good draft. They say into the mid thirties, early forties is first round level talent, which is midway through the second round or about a third into the second round. Um, the Blackhawks could really have anywhere from three to four, maybe even five picks in that one through 40 range. So, you know, that's how you build a team. I like what I've seen from them so far this season in terms of their compete level. I say the same thing with the Bears. You add more talent with that coaching staff, I think the sky's the limit. So right now, just keep on being competitively bad. See how long it lasts. Um, The teams they've lost to in these tight games, though, that you named, the Kings, probably going to make the playoffs, right? Jonathan Quick is having a bounce-back year. The New York Islanders outstanding team yeah. Ilya broken might be the best he's probably the Vesna trophy favorite if the season ended today right now edmonton. Um, edmonton listen edmonton they stink at goaltending but they score a crap ton of goals and the hawks kept up with them they, they've won and lost close games that fit the style of whoever they're playing edmonton fast skill well Black's kept up with we're them. forgetting about a team too what they lost that? to Vegas, one nothing. Oh, Vegas, one nothing. One exactly. to nothing. You were in the whole game against the team that is leading for the President's Trophy right now. Yeah, I mean, there you can't really complain. Yeah, and and the Winnipeg loss, it's an anomaly. Every team goes through those. That was you know, like the Devils a big got, the Devils got that killed. Was scary. The Devils got killed by the Caps. Okay, that's the Devils' most recent loss yeah. eight games ago. They got killed by Washington. Some teams have your number, like Washington. They they stink. Right, they're not good. They're they're only worried about one thing right now, which is our next topic. We'll get to that in a second. But you know, they're not a very good team. I like they're playing Pittsburgh tonight. It's like the battle of the olds, and I, I'm excited for it, no doubt. That's one of my favorite matchups of all time, Washington and Pittsburgh. But you know, just because you lose one stinker, I mean, that's that's going to happen, especially to a team like the Blackhawks, who really aren't talented enough to be competing there, guys in their bottom six who have no business being in a, on a, like a championship team's bottom six, but we'll see how it goes. I like what they're doing. They took on a Dickinson so they can get, you know, a draft pick out of it. Dickinson had a nice start. We know what he is. He's going to have 10 points this season. Like he had a hot start. So people think he's going to be like a 20 goal scorer, like shorthanded specialist. No, 
Okay, Jason Dickinson is Jason Dickinson for a reason. There's a reason Vancouver gave the Blackhawks a draft pick so that the Blackhawks would take him off their hands. And listen, that's no disrespect to him. Maybe he could be like a 13th forward or a 12th forward on a championship team, maybe. But that's not how he's being played with the Chicago Blackhawks. He's like one of their premier penalty killers, one of their bottom six forwards every single night. That's just not how it goes. So we'll see what comes of them this season. Do you have anything else to wrap up the Blackhawks before we get into the hard-hitting topic of the first period? Now they go on a little bit of a road trip here. They go to the Kings tomorrow night, 9.30 start, central time. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to that game because the first game they had with the Kings was really close. I think it's going to be a different game in Los Angeles, and it should be a fun watch. Absolutely. So, Frank, we got something to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Since our last show, one Alexander Ovechkin has just been on a goal-scoring tear. He's got eight so far this season. He's on pace for 46. I say he gets 50. Been saying it all season long. He is 12 goals away from 800. He is 13 goals away from tying Gordie Howe for second all-time. He is 14 goals away from breaking Gordie Howe's record for second most all-time. And I'm not good at math. I didn't write this down. I believe he's 108 goals away from tying Wayne Gretzky for the most goals in the history of the National Hockey League. This is your chance right here, right now. And I, I, I will forget the last three months of Ovechkin dialogue have ever happened, and I will never bring it up again. I won't roast you if it happens. I won't even think twice and ever bring up Again, some of the things that you've said about this man. If you flip, flip, flip Adelphia right now and join the right slash fun side of history to enjoy every single time Alexander Ovechkin scores a goal, are you telling me that after the start that he's had again, you don't think he's going to score another 90 goals over the next five years? Are you still on that? And listen, injury aside, injury aside, that could happen. If he has a bad injury, like when he's 39, 40, he'll probably like hang him up, but maybe even not. I don't know. It, health assumption. Are you still off the Ovechkin breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal record? Floor is yours. He has been hot. He has scored a goal in four out of his last five games. He's got eight goals this season. Great pace. Great pace. Probably break 40, right? I'm not backing off, BP. I am sticking. He is not going to break Wayne Gretzky's record. It's just not going to happen. We're due for a slump, right? No player stays this hot. I don't care if you're Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky and they have a kid and he becomes the best player. Nobody stays this hot ever. There is a slump coming. It's going to happen. He is not going to stay on this pace for the rest of the year. He had a slump. And it's coming again. He went five games without a goal to start the season. He gets one. Now he's got eight. Okay. And then what if he goes another five games? When has Ovechkin done that? 2022 it's not like you have any like previous <laughs> it's not like you have any previous like 
revisionist history of Ovechkin like ever going on, you know, this. You're right. I don't have. I don't have history of him doing it, but I have history of seeing players go through goal slumps. Even the greats, some of the greats in the league. I mean, even different sports. Look at Aaron Judge. How long did it take for him to get that home run to break the record? It's like, oh boy, is he going to do it? We're on like eight games without. Some of the greatest players go through these slumps that are just, and it's going to happen to Alex Ovechkin. There will be a game, another span this season where he goes consecutive games. And then it's like, all right, he started out hot. What's going on now? Is Ovechkin okay? Is he feeling oh well? It's going to happen, I think. I'm not saying that the year that Ovechkin breaks his Wayne's record, it's going to come the day after he ties it. There will be Aaron Judge-like pressure. It might go into an empty net. It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me if the goal, the record goal goes into an empty net. Ah. He will stay in the league as long as he's close. He will fight. And and listen, I think Ovechkin deserves to do that because he got effed by two Gary Bettman lockouts. And how many games did COVID-19 cancel in general? They played 56 in 2020-21. So what's 82 minus 56? That's like 30-something games. 26. And then he got, bon- he got boned out of like 12 at the end of the 2019-2020 season. So Ovechkin got boned out about 45 games because of COVID-19. They played 48 in 2013. So whatever 82 minus 48 is, it's about 40 games. No, it's about 30-something games. And then the 05 lockout canceled the entire season, which you know is 82 games. So he got boned out of about 160 games. He'd be breaking Wayne's record next year if there was no if there was no lockout or um, COVID. If he's 39 years old and needs five more, he's coming back. He's coming back to the league. He's gonna do it. And I still think (laughs) he's at eight goals right now. I still think he's finishing mid 30 this year in goals. I'm not gonna overhype this right now. That'll put him. That'll put and and listen. That's possible. That'll put him 60 away. He would need two more 30-goal seasons. He's how many away right now? He's 109. Like, okay. And if he gets like 35 goals. He'll be at like 72. Eight. He'll be no, at like 82. He, yeah. You said 60 away. That's 82. And now I think every year going forward, it's just going to get worse. Do So you don't think he Maybe can Maybe next go, year it's high 29s. You don't think – year- you don't think he could go 35, 25, 25, 20? 35, 35, you said? 30. Let's say he gets 35 this year. And okay. then 25, 25, 20. That breaks Wayno's record. No, it doesn't. That would be 35 plus 50 plus 20 is 105. <laughs> okay. He's not getting it. Okay. He's not getting it. Well, he's going to have more than 35 goals this year. And then there's going to be that one year, that devastating year. When he scores 50 again. When he gets like seven that year. How many did I say he has right now? He's got eight. Yeah, but uh, uh, career. Career? I don't know how many careers he has. Career, he he needs 12 for 800. So that's 880. Which Wayne Gretzky's record? 894. Okay, so 94 and 12. He needs 106. Okay. 
Yeah. He's getting there's gonna be one bad year. And when when he's got if when he's you have one bad bad year, it's cooked. It's over. Twelve plus eight is twenty. Let's say he score, does score fifty. Um eight he eight hundred and thirty. If he gets fifty, he'll be at eight hundred and thirty. If yeah. he scored fifty this year, will you be in on him? I might change my mind. All right, because then he would only need he would only need sixty four yeah. more. If he gets fifty this year, I'll probably change my opinion. But what if he gets forty six, like he's on pace for? Probably. Even if he gets like forty five, if he gets if he gets exactly what I think, though, then I'm definitely not changing my opinion. I will only be out on it if he's in the low twenties. If he has if he has one bad year, you get an injury, you miss sixty games. It's finito. You're donezo. For it's like, yeah, it's like almost a guarantee he doesn't get it. Because then you need like multiple like 40, 50 goal seasons. You do know he's not thirty nine years old, right? I know, but what you look at Stamkos when he snapped his leg, he wasn't the same player for a few years after, and then eventually you start, you 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 started getting back into this groove of things. It takes time to come back from a certain type of injury. Yeah, I, I know. Certain t- yeah, Ovechkin doesn't play that type of game, though. He stands there on the power play and fucking claps nukes from the one-time spot. It, and that's, just, an- that's another reason I think he's going to. What makes him great doesn't age poorly. What makes McDavid great will age poorly. What makes Crosby get great will age poorly. Ovechkin, once he- he'll stop smashing people. The hits will come down. But he's going to keep pumping PPGs from the one T. Even his assists have come down. He's only got five. And Washington's not very good. All that's going to matter. And that's another thing. I think Washington falling off a cliff as a team helps Ovechkin's goal chase. Because all they're going to care about as an organization is feeding OV. Here's the problem, though. You make the playoffs, you got a chance to score more goals. That's also going to hurt him. That's also been a benefit for him, how he's been able to score those extra goals. That doesn't go towards his total. Oh, it doesn't? No. When you score a playoff goal, it doesn't to- go towards your career goals? No. That's stupid. <laughs> I mean, not everybody makes the playoffs. All the stats would be skewed. Obviously, preseason, I know. Don't like, go- the, how, how would I be able to compare? It wouldn't be fair to compare Crosby to Ovechkin and their careers because Crosby made the playoffs every year. Ovechkin made it. 70% of the time. So you're telling me if he's at 799 and he scores a playoff goal, he didn't get his 800th goal of his career? No. Ovechkin has in his career – why would they not put the playoff stats on NHL.com? Does hockey reference have to be the best at everything? Because they are. Where's Ovechkin? Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, he's Alex Ovechkin on hockey reference. That's dumb. His name is Alexander. In the postseason – Alexander Ovechkin has scored 40 goals in 82 games, which is a tick below. That's a tick below. Like, okay, how would you compare Jack Eichel to McDavid if you included McDavid's playoff stats? That's not fair. I know, but it's like those games are way more important than the regular season. You thought Patrick Kane's 1,000 points included playoffs? I just I never really thought about it. I didn't think that. I just assume that it's like Yeah, no. 
No, no, no. And Ovechkin, the Caps aren't going to make the playoffs in probably really any of these next coming years, I don't think, unless they get unless they like get lucky with a lottery and land Bedard or something. And then Ovechkin's really scoring 50 every year till he retires. Uh, listen, Brett Hall scored 40 at 39, I think. Yager had 30 with the Devils at like 41. I, I, I just... I'm sticking to my guns. Ovechkin breaks Wayne Gretzky's goal record in the 2025-26 season at age 41 years old. It'll be about his 14th goal of the season. It'll be late. It'll be in February or March. You could ask me this question near the end of the season, and we'll have a clear answer. Yeah, but I'm not letting you back down at that point, though. It's okay. You had your one chance to not get made fun of. And when you when you inevitably back down later in the season, I'm going to sing the song. Flip, 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 <laughs> flip, 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 right. flip, flip, Frankie flip, Frankie flip. It's all right. <laughs> and then when he doesn't get it, it's, that's a bad I list for everybody. I want you to enjoy it. Because you will not deny this. Ovechkin breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal record will be the number one story in all of sports. You broke a huge record like that set by the great one? That is going to – they're going to stop the game. They'll roll out a little carpet. They'll present him with something. I feel bad for whoever he gives – who he scores the goal on. I, I kind of hope it's the Devils so that way I'm, like, guaranteed to be watching it. I mean, when he's on, when he's on 893 – I'll be watching every single game. Shit, I might follow how, him. If I how mad would you be? So, like, obviously you're rooting for it. You'll be excited when he gets it, right? You will, too. But how But how mad would you be if he scored against the Devils, but that goal, like, made him so they can't, like, make the playoffs that year or something? That would, like, I ruin mean, the moment, right? I'd be mad about like, that. Be like, oh, yeah, but no, wait a second. No, I like... would probably see it as it's the devil's own fault. Like you put yourself in that position where this <laughs> all-time great goal eliminated you from postseason contention. Yeah, I wouldn't look at it that way. I'd be more mad at the devils than Ovechkin. Ovechkin has tormented my life in terms of his goal scoring against the devils. I believe he scored his first of the season against the devils or second of the season. Like, he kind of got going against the Devils. Right. It kind of ended his little slump at the beginning of the year, which, oh, what's going to happen if Backstrom's hurt all year? Kuznetsov. Like, arguably better in the year 2022. They got John Carlson, who's one of the best puck-moving defensemen on the power play. This Connor McMichael kid, he might be able to help out a little bit. Ovechkin's record-breaking goal will be assisted by somebody who's not currently on the Washington Capitals. Wow. And Kuznetsov. It would be it would be hockey poetry if it was assisted by Backstrom. What if it was like unassisted? That wouldn't surprise me. And that that's another thing people always fail to realize. Ovechkin's and whether he breaks the record or not, I think he's the greatest goal scorer who ever lived. Because if he's 70 goals shy of Wayne but he did it in an era where it's significantly harder to score goals and the goalies are bigger. The pads are bigger. You have, you have the size of a puck to score really on the net. It wasn't like that in the early portion of Wayne's career. And I just think, and he's also a pure goal scorer Ovechkin, even though he does have 600 something assists, I guess he's not really a pure goal scorer as much as people think, but 
he does have a couple empty net goals in his career. He goes out there with the empty net. He has no problem depositing the G, the game ceiling goal. It's not the game winning goal, but the game ceiling goal into the empty net. I think it's in large part because the coaching staff believes he could snipe one from long distance um, and put the game away without icing. But I don't know. I just, I believe in him and man, I hope he does it. We shall see. We shall see. Well, Gordy Howe, you assume he's going to do that. Oh, absolutely. He'll be the second all-time leading goal scorer probably by Christmas. Yeah. He needs 12. He needs 12. He's got eight. It took him a month to get eight. It'll probably take him slightly over a month to get 12. Yeah. There's a hat trick in there somewhere. Telling you that right now. Um, Probably two hat tricks on the season. You never know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's good. It's good. That's what, that's what Dylan's going to say about Black Panther. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank, that was a fun conversation about Alexander the Great, one of the 10 best players to ever play in the NHL. It was very fun. We will get to a different top 10 NHL player of all time in period number two. Welcome to period two. We just got done talking about Alexander Ovechkin, somebody who I believe will win a trophy that Alexander Ovechkin has won many times in his career. It's called the Rocket Richard for the most goals in the history, or not in the history, the most goals in the NHL in one particular season, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is on another level right now. He's better than I thought because we always believed that he'd be able to score, you know, lots and lots of goals if he wanted to. It's not always the best play to shoot. And there are guys who shoot no matter what. We talked about the Devils. Sharon Govich. He don't pass. When he gets the puck, it goes on net. <laughs> right? Like, there are just some players who no matter what, the puck goes on net. McDavid's not like that. He's smart enough to know whether or not he should shoot or pass. This year, he's been shooting. He's been hanging around the net. He scored a goal yesterday that, like, you would see Zach Parisi score, where he just hangs out in front of the net and banks in a rebound. McDavid has never done stuff like that on a power play before. He did it yesterday. He's got 14 goals in 14 games. The assists haven't suffered. He has 15 assists. He leads the NHL with 29 points. I believe this man could go 60 and 60, being dead serious, um, because the assists won't suffer. If he starts scoring more goals, it's because he's putting more emphasis on getting closer to the net, and he's skilled enough to take advantage of that. Frank, what do you make of McDavid so far this season? Well, this season he also played in his 500th career game, and in those 500 career games, he's got 724 points, which is just crazy to think about, um, especially at only 25 years of age. But this season, he is two-point-per-game player, a little over two-point-per-game player. He's played in 13 games, 13 goals. He's a goal-per-game player and 14 assists for a total of 27 points. So a little over two points per game. I mean, he's just been absolutely fantastic. He only has two games the whole year where he doesn't have a point at all. And only four games this year where he only has one point. That means there are seven, more than half the games that, he, that he's played in are multi-goal uh, or multi-point games this year. That's just outstanding. Um, the the crazy part is they're only eight and six, right? You put McDavid 
and Drysaddle, let's say, on Colorado Avalanche, on the Tampa Bay Lightning, they ain't eight and six. I don't care how the New Jersey. Yeah, no, no, they're not eight and six, which is just so bizarre. And I know I always you give me shit for telling for me saying like they got no depth or whatever because they they got players out there. They're a little deeper, but come on now, you got to be better than eight and six. And you got these when you got a guy that's performing the way he is, that's just a little worrisome. I don't love their goaltending, and I think that's a large reason why they're eight and six. I don't crap on you for saying they don't have enough depth. Uh, like their forward depth is better than it's ever been. They're they're for, they're front heavy. I don't love their defense. They don't defend well. You know, a lot of their defensemen, their top ones, are more on the offensive side of things. When thinking about like Bouchard and Tyson Berry, um, Darnell Nurse, it's a it's a four it's a front moving team, and they're going to lose some games because of it. I think they can be dangerous in the playoffs. I think they can win the cup. And I think they can win the cup because of McDavid and because of Dreisaitl. And we saw that they were able to carry the load mm-hmm. in the playoffs last year. And then they ran into the buzzsaw that was the Colorado Avalanche. I don't think we have a Colorado Avalanche this season. Maybe the Bruins? Maybe. But they won't play against Edmonton until the final if they made it. Vegas would be Ve- uh, Edmonton's biggest challenge if the season ended today. And yeah. listen, I think I would pick Edmonton in a playoff series right now. And Vegas is the better team right now, but I, I don't know. I think I remember how we both what what series was it where we picked the Kings and neither because we both just for whatever reason, even though on paper it might have been against the Oilers, where we just thought the Kings were going to win even though they weren't the better team. I, I would think feel it was that the way. Oilers, I, and I would flip this year and I would feel that way about Edmonton against Vegas right now. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Huh. It might be goaltending. It might be. It might be the fact that Eichel is a lot like Hughes where he's a point-per-game player, but we kind of think there's more to be unlocked. Yeah. And you know what I mean by Eichel when I say that, uh-huh. comparing him to Hughes? Like, Eichel's been great. Nobody's complaining about a point-per-game player. You just There's, like, another level I know he can get to, and maybe if he does get to it, Vegas becomes more dangerous, which McDavid and Eichel went one and two in a draft. How awesome would a play? Well, what a story <laughs> that would be. I mean, sign me up for that. I'd be locked in if Vegas played Edmonton in the playoffs. But – I think Connor McDavid, and I heard this. I'll give. I'm not going to steal this. I heard this on Spit and Chicklets, and I kind of went a couple years without listening to every single episode of Spit and Chicklets. I'm all back in on it, and I'll tell you why. I think it's because now that COVID isn't affecting the NHL in the way that it was last year, the year before, and the year before that, I'm kind of like my love. And I've done this show every week since I started. I haven't taken a day off with it. I've like I think once. My love for hockey got back to the level that it was pre-COVID. I think it's because there's no cancellation of games and players aren't losing, you know, their right to play because of a failed test. Um, Like, and so just wanted to get that out there. Whitney talked about McDavid as the best player at his sport in the world. And I, I started doing some thinking. I'm like, is McDavid a better hockey player than every NFL player is at football? Is McDavid a better hockey player than every baseball or basketball player is at their sport? And I legitimately think the only one that gives him like a run for his money is Shohei Otani. He's the only one that can compete with McDavid in terms of being as great at their sport. Do you agree with that? 
Because Josh Allen is great, but he, the Bills know. are the Bills are proving that they're very Josh Allen centered, and they need a running game. Otherwise, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Um, Patrick Mahomes is great, but Patrick Mahomes, you know, he does a lot of winning. He's got a lot of weapons. What about the NBA? Is Giannis Antetokounmpo as good at basketball? I know he's pretty freaking good. Is he the best player in the NBA? I think in basketball, to be on McDavid's level, you'd have to win three straight titles. Which happens. It does happen, but it hasn't happened for Antetokounmpo. Right. It's only happened for LeBron. I I would say Curry, but like Curry has been helped by Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant and a great coach. Like LeBron was probably it for a while, but in basketball, I think that one, like uh, the McDavid of basketball can win three straight titles where in hockey, it's very different. You can't, you need a great team. And you still need a great team in basketball. I love when people say a one player can win a title. It's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Otherwise, it would be the Bucks versus the Golden State Warriors every single year in the finals. But, um, and like the Celtics are the ultimate proof that it's a team game too. But like, I do believe those extra great players can get to the finals whenever. So that's what I was where I was going with it. And then yeah, baseball. Baseball, you can only hit. When you come up to bat and you can only catch the balls that are hit to you, Otani does both, hit and pitch. So, like, I think he's in the mix with McDavid, but. I I would say no. I would say no. Who do you got? I don't know. It's just when you – if you're talking about all four sports, major sports, I feel like McDavid's not – widely talked about compared to the other greats in the other sports. I'm not talking popularity. I'm but to talking... me, you talk about the greats. If you're so great, you'd Nobody get talked thought... about. Hockey will always be last. Nobody will talk. If if there was, if McDavid won seven straight cups, they wouldn't talk about him the way they talk about even the 10th the best NBA player is more popular in the world than McDavid. Uh, you can't hold hockey against McDavid. Like it's a I'm very just talking conversation. purely skill at their sport. I think McDavid is second to none. I would put Shohei Otani second. Yeah, I would you probably might be right. put, you might be right. I would probably put Patrick Mahomes third because he's proved to me this season that he can compete in games like against the Bills where it's a shootout, or in games against the Titans where it's a physical game. Right. He can win both types of games. And they lost the Bills game, but they easily could have won it. Like He's proved to me he can compete in those kinds. So I would put Patrick Mahomes third. Josh Allen might be fourth, but I don't know. It's definitely a fun conversation, though. I'd love you to might hear. Be right. I'd I love to hear that. multiple perspectives. Yeah, I mean, if I could McDavid, see where your point of view. If you're watching this show, that means you either like us or hockey or both. Tune into the Edmonton Oilers as much as you can. I do, even if they're playing the like a boring team. I put on the Oilers because I want to watch as much McDavid in my life as I can. Yeah. I left you speechless with this question. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. You know, I, I don't know. I could see it from both ways. I see what you're saying, and it makes sense, and I kind of agree that you, you might be right. But then it's like, 
I don't know. We'll it's very, very hard that. to compare too. It is hard to compare. And like because like you're doing wildly different things. I think Giannis like has a chance to get in that conversation. Like he's that good at basketball. But the, the Bucks, they'd have to win a bunch. They would have to win a bunch because of him for me to like give him that. LeBron is the last NBA player to be so much better than everybody else. And he's he's what, like the tenth best player now? Maybe he's tailed off. Yeah. He's still he might great. not even be the tenth. Yeah. But that's the last time an NBA player was in this conversation. And before that, the last time an NBA player in this conversation was Kobe Bryant. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to get that mantra of, I'm the best player at my sport in the world. It might be McDavid. And you would have to talk to a person that follows and appreciates all four sports for this conversation to be fair. Because there are plenty of people out there that only follow basketball, football, and baseball that would just shit on this take, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You, it's, In order to have an intelligent dialogue about this type of conversation, you need somebody who looks at all four sports equally, which I know you do, which is why I, I think it might be McDavid, now that I'm thinking more about it. Yeah. I mean, what's the equivalent of being two points per game in basketball? Averaging a triple-double? That's tough. I've only seen one player do it. Your guy, Russell Westbench, is the only one who I've seen. He's a brick, dude. He stinks. He stinks now. He was once great. He's going to go to the Hall. Everybody was once great, but when you stink, you stink. I don't care what how old you are. You no, but you you hate him because he stinks now. He does stink now. He's terrible. The Lakers stink now. Do they have a win yet? Yeah. Finally. Jesus. Jesus, Lakers. If the Lakers don't make the playoffs, they're all frauds. They're not going to make the playoffs. I don't no think. shot. No shot. They'd have to go on. He's so bad. And I'm not even – it's not even me. I, you'll just scroll through your Twitter. Eventually, you'll see a tweet about Russell Westbrook. Eventually, yep. or somebody making and I, fun of him. And I love when it comes from Skip Bayless. I think of you every single time. Frankie Bayless. <laughs> Frankie Bayless. That's going to be your new nickname is Frankie Bayless. Frank, why are the St. Louis Blues so bad? Well – they started out three and zero. Now they're three and eight. They've lost I eight know. in a row. I, know. I don't remember. Did I? When they the were three and zero, really quick part? before you go. When they were three and zero, I was like, "The Blues, they're gonna be so good this year. They might win yeah. the Central." Did they? Did I have them in a playoff spot? I know I had Colorado. I had Nashville. I had. I want to. I don't. I think I had the Wild. Maybe. I didn't have the same four as last year. There was somebody I left out. So was it the Wild or the Blues? Dallas was in the conversation. I'm looking back at the old notes. Let me know if the crinkling of the paper is too loud because it's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, I had had Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, Minnesota. Then I didn't have St. Louis. I think I had Dallas missing. Yeah, and I had Dallas in and St. Louis just missing. Yeah. And you're okay. going to be right. You're going to yeah. end up being right because St. Louis stinks and Dallas is awesome. Dallas so, is so good. I, shout out to me for admitting I'm wrong. Dallas is shoving it up my hoop right now. They are damn good. So I am. I was, so well. I was right on the blues as of right now. Um, 
and I mean, you never know what happens. They were at last place New Year's Eve or whatever, and then they won the cup that year. So you, you don't know. However, this team, there's a lot of problems here, okay? Eight out of their 11 games that they played, they have scored two goals or less. Two goals or less. That's In so eight, stupid. Eight of that means they've all there are only three games that they've scored three or more goals. That is the reason why they've lost eight in a row. They can't put the puck in the net. There's no production on this team in an era like we are in right now. Scoring goals is crucial. And you're going to look at me and say, no shit, Frank. Of course, scoring goals is crucial. That's how you win hockey games. But no, you can't pot two goals a night and expect to be an above 500 team. Not to mention, I haven't counted the amount of times they've only had one goal, but I want to say there's a many, many times this season they only scored one goal, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and making it sound a little better by saying they've had two goals or less in eight out of their last 11 games. There's no production on this team. Tarasenko and Shen are really the only ones on this St. Louis Blues team that have been performing. And when you when that's it, there's nothing else. You're not you're not going to win games when you just have two of your best players performing on a team. They they every game is just they have a lot of turnovers. There's no connection on this team. It's and and not to mention here's another big factor. N- nobody on their team is point per game. Not one player on their team is point per game. Tarasenko's not point per game. Shen's not point per game. And they are the leader, the leading point scorers, goal scorers on this team. That's bad. That's really bad. And it's kind of funny because during this uh, losing streak they're on, Justin Falk made a comment. And his comment, and this is his quote, he he says there's piss-poor effort. When you got a guy on your team saying there's piss poor effort on this team, it's like nobody wants to play. Nobody want, nobody cares to be here. You're not scoring goals. You got own guys in your organization saying that there's piss poor effort. That's a bad look for the St. Louis Blues. Um, and not to mention, they also have, they have a lot of guys with big contracts on this team, which is very hard to build around. And, and it's, it's just, everything's been crumbling for this Blues team. It wouldn't shock me if they trade Krug. It wouldn't shock me if they trade Saad. It wouldn't shock me if they trade Tarasenko. I don't know who's untradeable on that team. I don't know what, but they stink. Bennington is awful. I'm glad they got absolutely shit-canned by Colorado last year. And listen, the Central Division is very hard. The Central Division is very hard. Colorado is good. Minnesota had a hard loss yesterday to the Los Angeles Kings. It was a one nothing loss where Velarde scored his 10th goal of the season with like three minutes left. Jonathan yeah. Quick and Marc-Andre Fleury had an outstanding goalie duel, and it was a defensive-minded game. Listen, I'm not holding that against the Minnesota Wild. They had a tough start. They've been great lately. They'll be in a playoff spot before you can know it. I know they're not cup good because of their salary cap issues. They had to get rid of Fiala. You know, next year when Boldy and Kaprizov are even another year better, I think they're going to be legitimate Stanley Cup contenders again next year. But this year they had to reserve spending some money, which was a problem. But they're at minimum a playoff team. Dallas is unreal. I believe Nashville will bounce back because Nashville has all the pieces. Nashville has all the pieces that I believe lead to a championship team, except for like an elite scorer. Like Saros has been a Vesna Trophy nominee twice in the last two years, I believe. He's looked Yossi. bad this year. He's been bad this year, I know. The year I take him, 
I know. Ooh. Yossi, Norris Trophy contender every single year. He can be better. The forwards all kind of do it by committee. They can all be better. You know, I've seen more from Duchesne in his career. I've seen more from Johansson in his career. I've seen more from Forsberg in his career. All those guys are going to bounce back. That's going to leave the Blues in the dust if they continue playing like this. And listen, I'm all in on Winnipeg. Last week we talked about them. I, I had to look back at my notes to see if I asked the same question last year, and neither of us were convinced that they're fully back. Listen, they might not be like all the way back like they were when they were in the conference finals against Vegas a couple years ago with the whiteout and all that. Winnipeg is good. Winnipeg mm-hmm. is very good. They they there were, there were our surprises. I think they're going to make the playoffs, to be honest with you, because they play a smart game. There's a new vibe there. Shifley scoring again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's picking up assists. I like that team. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a great centerman. Um that's the Blues are fucked, and they're fucked long term because they've given yeah, up first round those contracts too. Robert Thomas is a great player. If the NHL draft of 2017 were redone, he'd be a top ten pick instead of being 20th overall. And we met his family; they were sitting right in front of us. I shook his grandpa's hand, but you know, when I think of that draft, like Makar, Heischer, Heiskanen, Robertson, probably the top three, and Robertson was in the second round. Um, or top four, I mean, Suzuki, really good. Robert Thomas is right there. So I'm excited about him and his career. He'll be great for a long time, but it's not great for the Blues long term. I think a rebuild is coming for them in relatively short order. It could be. So they, they got those. I'm telling you, there's like five or six guys, I think, on long term big contract. That's tough. Yeah. And, if they're not Looking with the Chicago Blackhawks, what happened with them? Yeah. Eventually it catches up to you. And for the most part, their guys have lived up to their contracts. Mm-hmm. I know they haven't won a playoff series with Taves and Kane making 10, but they've like gotten to the playoffs. Those exactly. two have lived up to their contracts. I would say just because the team hasn't lived up to giving out those contracts. You don't hold that against Taves and Kane. Nobody's shitting in the second half of their careers by any means. Um, But like sod, like, we need more from Saad. I, I need more from Krug. When Krug was on the Bruins, it was like he was the big free agent defenseman. Mm-hmm. He just needs to go back to the Bruins is what it is. He's one of those guys who's only good on the Bruins, and the Bruins are the only team that ever have guys like that. Um, but, Frank, speaking of rebuilding, the Arizona Coyotes have been impressive in the last couple of weeks. They're not a cellar dweller in the Western conference right now. They play their home games at the university of Arizona. They're on a long road trip again, because I believe they are finishing the locker rooms over there in Arizona. Now that they got their home debut out of the way, played a couple games at mullet arena, had some fun mm-hmm. times, won a couple games, huge win yesterday over a Buffalo Sabres team who is much better than them on paper and up performance wise. What's your take on Arizona? Well, the, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, I do not understand how this team is winning games. I have no idea. They are almost like the eighth wonder of the world to me, honestly. They have the lowest shots on goal per game, but no matter what, they end up going into the net. It just it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, you, you look at the Buffalo game where they had they won 4-1, to one, but they only had 24 shots on goal. That does not make sense at all whatsoever. I, I don't understand. 
Then you look at the Capitals. They won three to two. They only had 26 shots on goal. It doesn't make sense how the Arizona Coyotes can win games. It, it doesn't. It's honestly like the eighth wonder of the world to me. I can't. I. I. There's nothing I could say. Their goaltending stinks. Both goaltenders are either one's got a high three point seven goals against the other goalie's got Vamelka's in a four point something goals against. But then they win these games when they can't shoot the puck on the net. And and maybe that's the fact that everybody expects them to be so bad that when it's time to play the Arizona Coyotes, teams are overlooking them, and you're not, you know, doing the research as hard when you go to play this team. It just doesn't make any sense to me. A lot of people believe that the NHL draft is rigged, and I think that's the stupidest thing, like, people could say. Why would the fuck would the league send Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer to Newark, New Jersey, if the NHL draft was rigged? Why the hell would Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin go to Buffalo, New York? You know, they, why would they give Montreal the number one overall pick in the worst draft in the last 10 years? You know, they, they would give them Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid. You know, I think it's because the Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs won it in, you know, Canada. But for the last couple of years, the NHL draft has just been so proven to not be rigged. And even though the Rangers got Lafreniere, first of all, Lafreniere stinks. And like, they wouldn't give it to the Rangers in that year. First of all, or they, I mean, maybe, but like, why would they want a team that made the bubble with all this upside? Want a player like Lafreniere? Like why wouldn't they want the competitive right. balance? So but I do believe that the league is probably a little happy that Arizona is winning some games right now <laughs> because Connor Bedard is sensation. I do believe the league would want Arizona to have a player like Connor Bedard, but not until the arena thing is figured out. Yeah, like, like I, I think, I think sending Connor Bedard to play in front of 5,000 strong would be a tough look for the league. So I do believe that as long as they're playing in that building, they might be a little happy to see Arizona winning some games. But at the end of the day, they are winning some games. They have good players. There are good players on every team in the league. Arizona might have the least amount of good players, which is why everybody thinks they're going to be the worst team in the league. But And they still might be. They still very well might be. And they're probably the worst-ran franchise in hockey, uh, either them or the Senators. Not not hockey ops wise. When I talk about the senators, like business wise, mm -hmm. the senators, they play in a rink in the middle of fucking nowhere. It takes everybody that lives in Ottawa an hour to get there. Like the the rink for Ottawa stinks. Everybody hopes Ryan Reynolds follows through and actually buys them. I'm sure you've heard that story. Mm -hmm. But um, wouldn't it be Deadpool owning the Ottawa Senators? Hey guys, um, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, Arizona, I'm happy for him. I like when Arizona does well. I'm an Arizona Coyotes apologist. I'm not a fan of the Coyotes by any means, but I'm a fan of the league. I know for a fact without the Arizona Coyotes existing, there would be no Austin Matthews. Okay, when his mother, who I believe is an immigrant, I'm not positive on that, meets his father, who's Caucasian. She's a flight attendant. He's a passenger. They meet. They settle down in Arizona. They Born a child named Austin Matthews. He grows up a hockey fan because of the local team that he watched, and he's the greatest goal scorer in the league. I believe one day there's a chance that he breaks Ovechkin's eventual record. Okay, he's on pace. And it's all because of them, and I believe in growing the game, so I'm happy Arizona's okay right now, and hopefully there are some young 
ladies and gentlemen in Arizona picking up the great game of hockey because of the Coyotes. Yeah, I just don't know how they win games. Well, based on their roster, I agree. Just their shots on goal, too. Yeah, it's not. And that's why I do think they're going to regress. I mean, there how are do you unsustainable shoot low 20s and then you're scoring four goals a game? That's just bad. There are unsustainable ways to win. And that's why I do think the Devils are good because they're winning all sorts of types of games against all sorts of types of teams. Right. Last year when they started hot, they had like three four-goal comebacks. That's not sustainable. You don't come back from four goals. If you do it three times in a week, go play the lottery. You got lucky. It was a great game for you. Congratulations. Don't bank on doing that too often. And guess what? It caught up to the Devils, just like I predicted. Mm -hmm. This year it's different. Is it an unsustainable? And I said the same thing for the Hawks. They were in these games. They were coming back. You can't come back from multiple goals multiple times. They did it against Detroit. I can't remember the other teams they did it. Edmonton. There were a couple other times where they did it. It's just not the way the league works. You got to be good pretty much for the entire game in order to win. And that's the Coyotes right now. But I hope people are interested as long as they are around. Um, There was a take we both gave on last week's show that I don't think is going to age very well. Um, I'm starting to flip, flip, flip Adelphia, flip, make fun of me, make fun of me. I'm stupid. I think the New York Islanders are better than the New York Rangers. I do. They've beaten them again. I mean, and I I agreed with you. One win doesn't be the end all be all for me, but the Rangers just look so lethargic. And I never understand what it is. And I said over the summer that this was in the back of my mind. I did say it on this show. Everywhere Gerard Gallant goes as a coach, the team starts off so good. They make deep runs in the playoffs. Everybody loves him. And then all of a sudden they start to suck and everybody hates him and he gets fired randomly and nobody knows why because he's supposed to be one of the best coaches in the league. It happened with Florida. It happened with Vegas. And it's happening now with the New York Rangers. They just look lethargic. It doesn't look like most of the players there don't want to be there anymore. They made some weird moves. Like, I don't get why they signed Ryan Reeves. Tom Wilson literally bullied that franchise into signing Ryan Reeves. Panarin's been okay. Zabanajad's great. I love Fox. I love Shesterkin. The Islanders might have a goalie just as good as Shesterkin. Ilya Sorokin is awesome. And they beat them again yesterday. That Anders Lee, man. Anders Lee is one of the most underrated captains in the NHL right now. Game-winning goal in regulation. This Islanders team is pesky. I believe they've also won seven in a row, either six or seven in a row. The Rangers stink. The Islanders are good. I hope it stays this way. I'm starting to think it will. I'm not fully putting my stamp on this take, but I'm leaning in that direction. I'm veering more towards the New York Islanders than the New York Rangers. I'm going to have to disagree. I think that the New York Rangers are better right now. They both have the same amount of games played, and the Islanders have three more points than the Rangers. It's big whoop. I mean, you've seen... Some of the great teams start off slow. Look at the Lightning last year. Remember, Joey was like, ah, oh, the Lightning, they're, they stink, or they're not looking too good. And then we're like, it takes time. And then look what happened. Hello, Stanley Cup final. Um, I'm not worried at all whatsoever. This team is very talented. 
I think they could just midway through the season take it into overdrive. They got the talent on the team to do it. They got the goaltender. They got the defense, and they got the scores to do this. And whereas I think the New York Islanders could maybe potentially tail off. I didn't have them in the playoffs. Will they make the playoffs? Easy to say that they will right now, the way they've they've been playing. Nine and five, great record, good for them. But no, I I, I don't think this New York Ranger team has anything to worry about. I think it's easy to say that the Islanders are better because they've beaten the Rangers. Sure, why not? Have your fun for now, Islanders fan. But I think at the end of the day, the Islanders are the little brother to the big brother New York Rangers. So I think the Rangers are coming. I think it takes time. Talk to me halfway through the season. And I think uh, you'll flip, flip, flip Philadelphia once again, be on the Rangers bandwagon. I don't think I fully flipped on this take, though. I told you I'm veering more towards the Islanders just because of what I've seen lately. I know what talent is on the New York Rangers roster. They have everything you need to win a Stanley Cup. They have an elite goalie. They have an elite defenseman, and they have a really good supporting cast defenseman too. Keandre Miller is outstanding, and a lot of people like Jacob Truba. I don't think Jacob Truba is worth the contract that he has or of being the captain, but you know some people like him. They have an elite scoring winger in Artemi Panarin, and they have a top-line centerman that can compete with any top-line centerman in the league, and Mika Zibanejad. If Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere weren't busts, I would think they're in first place in the Metropolitan Division. Like, their older players they rely on in terms of forwards. Oh, and Kreider. I forgot about Kreider. He's very good, too. But, uh, and Vinny Trocek as their second-line center replaces uh, Ryan Strom. That's probably an upgrade. But, ah, I just, as of right now, the Islanders, there's no doubt the Islanders have been better up to this point. And they they look like they enjoy playing more than the Rangers. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um it's kind of a team of misfit toys. Like Lou Lamorello just pieced together this team. Like their third line is a devil's line. It's Palmieri and Parisi. And they're centered by JG Pajot. That's a pretty good third line. Um, actually, that's a really good third line. And then in their top six, they have a guy like Matt Barzell, who's second in the league in assists. They have a guy like Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm forgetting a big one. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson. Regardless, it is a good, good team. Um, I do think the Rangers have more skill. They have more upside. But as of right now, the Islanders have been better. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. A team that I was not looking forward to talking about on this show as much as I normally am is the Boston Bruins. On the ice, and people are expecting me to talk about this, you know, I'm, I'm sure. But it's not fun to talk about but we've not shied away from anything on this show. We hit the, we hit every hard hitting topic head on, even if it's not fun. The Bruins are great. What are they? 11 and two. Yep. They're 11 and two, man. They're one of the only teams that have a better record than the devils. Not to brag. Um, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, McAvoy returns tonight. Not a lot of people have realized that yet, but McAvoy's coming back. That's nice. Um, they're great. They're a great team on the ice. They're an absolute wagon. They're buzzing. Yep. It's one of the best teams in the NHL. Off the ice, things have not gone very well for them, Frank. They signed Mitchell Miller last week. And for those of you who don't know anything about Mitchell Miller, he was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes a couple years back, and he kind of fell in the draft a little bit because of the fact that he was known to be an abusive bully 
when he was in school. And listen, people say, oh, he was 14. You know, I did dumb shit when I was 14. You know what I didn't do when I was 14? Bully other kids using racial slurs and making fun of them for being disabled. That's just not something that a dumb 14-year-old does. You're kind of a sick fuck if you do that, even at 14. That's just my opinion. And I believe you deserve to be held accountable. Do I deserve people? Deserve second chances and whatnot? Absolutely. But this kid hasn't done anything to deserve a second chance. The other kids who got in trouble along with him in court were apologetic. And many reports are suggesting that this kid, Mitchell Miller, this fucking fuck in court, was not apologetic at all. He didn't give any remorse. He he shows he still to this day has shown no remorse for anything bad that he's done. And it's just a bad look for the Bruins to have signed him. I don't believe Don Sweeney or Cam Neely are going to make it through the season without getting fired by the Boston Bruins. They're going to be the best team to ever fire their president and GM in a season. It's going to be off ice related because of it. And they're going to pay for making the signing. And they have since rescinded it. And both of them spoke about how they would understand how the general public feels if it was their kid, you know? And so I just, then why the fuck would you sign them in the first place? You're 10 and one, or they were 10 and one at the time of making the signing. Mm-hmm. And they were going into Toronto. Toronto is the biggest hockey market in the world. You knew each and every player was going to have to answer to Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston and Pierre Lebrun. All these guys in Canada who make the media, the hockey media, what it is. And I just cannot believe they were going into the hockey mecca, decided to make that signing on a Friday. It was just unbelievably dumb by the Boston Bruins. It was tone deaf. More details of how much of an absolute prick this kid, Mitchell Miller, has come out since. The victim... Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah, I forgot your last name, but he came out today with a statement about what this kid has done to him. I am disgusted by this story. I'm happy the Bruins rescinded it. We can root for them again, but it's just not a good look for the Boston Bruins. I'm stunned that they made such a stupid decision. Yeah, so like you said, on the ice, they've been fantastic. They're second in the league right now with points, 11-2. and It's almost as if they had something to prove this year with all the negative talk they've been getting, like, oh, are the Bruins going to be the Bruins? Well, they've they've come out and proved that, and they've been one of the best teams in the league. David Pasternak never looked better. He's got 20 points this season. He's never had a 100-point season. Maybe this is the year he gets 100 points. Very well could be. But then, like you said, then they have some negative, you know, relations to them with this news. And it's it's just really bad to see from the Boston Bruins. it's just it's something that didn't need to happen like you said they didn't need to sign this guy the i mean why 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 sign a guy like this gary bettman even came out and said that he, and and, the, and i quote he says i can't tell you that he'll ever be eligible to come into the nhl this man mitchell uh, miller um firings are definitely going to come that is i i could you could bet any amount of money that there will be repercussions for the bruins there will be whether it's cam neely Whoever's going to get fired, somebody is going to bite the dust. Um, so just got to prepare for that. Just a bad look overall, though. Um, yeah, it's just it's hard to believe. It's hard to wrap your mind around, truly. I just don't get like they would put they I, I think I heard a story about how the, he would put stuff in a urinal and make this kid 
who was African-American get it out of the urinal and like use it. I can't remember the exact story. It's something to do with a urinal and like just some of the things that this kid has done and show no remorse for it. Again, most, most people who do bad things, especially at a young age, deserve a second chance. But I'm sick and tired of hearing about the fact that this kid was 14. Who's a 14-year-old you know? Right? Like, I, I, we actually in our family don't really have anyone in that middle teen range right now. We, we're, all of us are either grown up in our late 20s, early 30s, even early 40s, or a little kid under the age of eight. We don't really have anybody in that in-between right now. But when that time comes, just picture all of our little cousins yeah. that we have right now. If one of them did something like this in five years, I'd be disgusted with them. Right? Like, if it was done to them. Five years from now, I would be disgusted with whoever, like, it's just nasty, nasty, nasty what this kid has done. And he, he's got to listen, I'm not saying there'll never be a time where he can play, can't play in the NHL, but it, it doesn't seem like he's the type of person who's going to take the proper steps. It doesn't seem like he cares. No, he cares about playing hockey, but not <laughs> about like, the situation you like to make a hundred K to shoot a puck around. And listen, the Bruins. They have a few options. I don't have them all written down. There are like three options they have. I know one of them was like you could buy him out. Like you could let him sit at home for the season, obviously, and then buy him out of his contract at the end of the season. There were a couple other options um, they could they could do too. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about um, his whole situation because just because I know they rescinded his NHL contract, but he still has an AHL contract that's not rescinded, I'm pretty sure. Um It'll be interesting to see, though, how they go about the whole situation. Apparently, he's good. Like, he would have been Arizona's top prospect had he, you know, not been a complete. He'll never play with the Bruins, ever. No. I don't think he'll play in the NHL. No, I don't either, especially with done. He hasn't done things that have allowed him to come back with grace and apology and all sorts of stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's not a good situation for this kid. And I, then I sit there and I wonder, like, why would the Bruins do this? I, I don't think Cam Neely or Don Sweeney are bad guys. I don't. I think they're going to pay for what they've done. And I don't know if they'll ever get a job in the NHL again. And make no mistake, Cam Neely is one of the greatest players in the history of the Boston Bruins. He, like that That's a guy. That's a dude up there at TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, something, something, Causeway Street. But I like they—they they don't have a lot of depth organizationally. They're the best team in the NHL record-wise, besides Vegas right now. And like they could absolutely win the cup. No one would be shocked. They have the goaltending. They have good defense. McAvoy's back. Campus Lindholm would probably win the Norris Trophy if the season ended. Oh no, he'd be nominated for the Norris Trophy with Eric Carlson and Rasmus Dahlin. Those would be my three nominees for the Norris Trophy if the season ended today. But which are all of them Swedish? I think they're all Swedish. That's weird. Um, they they're they're set for this season and maybe even next if Bergeron and Krejci come back. Like they they could be good next year too. Like this good. Long term though, Pasternak and McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm, and then the goalies. I don't know about like long like if Bergeron leaves and Marchand starts to age a little bit. Like Taylor Hall's might age a little bit as time goes on. I just – they don't have many prospects in the system that you are, like, so excited for. And, you know, they don't have 
a prospect pool led by Simone Nimich and Luke Hughes. They don't have a prospect pool led by Kevin Korchinski and Frank Nazar, guys like that who are awesome. Part of me thinks like they would just people they thought people would forget about everything that's happened with Mitchell Miller, and like it would be a Friday afternoon news dump, and they'd be able to add a solid defenseman to their you know core. But the court of public opinion literally bullied them out of making this tragic mistake. Yeah, really has. Frank, on to lighter stories. What is your favorite hockey story of the week? Well, you kind of mentioned it. I was hoping you didn't mention any I part of it. No, I'm sorry. I, right when I said it. It's right the Ryan I, Reynolds thing. Yeah. Right when I said it, I was like, I probably just fucked up Frankie's favorite hockey story of the week. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all right, because I'll just I got more to dive in depth on it. Yeah, for so, sure. People obviously, for people who don't know who's watching the show, Deadpool, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds, is interested in purchasing the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators, I'm pretty sure, have expressed – um, I don't know the word for it, but they're expressing they're for sale. They're for sale. They're expressing interest to sell the team right now. And Ryan Reynolds was he was you know he's interested. Interestingly enough, their game against the Vancouver Canucks yesterday, Ryan Reynolds was in the crowd to attend the game. Now that could be for a variety of reasons. We don't know for sure what the reason is. He is a big Vancouver Canuck fan. He's from Vancouver. So they were playing the Canucks. Is he there to, to root on the Canucks? Or is he there because he wants to scout the Ottawa Senators? I mean, you never know. He got a standing ovation versus the Canucks yesterday. He tipped his cap, waved to the crowd. And even uh, there was a guy in the stands, I thought this was really, really funny, who was dressed up as Deadpool. And he had a sign, and it said, Ryan, make the offer, which is just hilarious. And then even the Canucks Twitter got involved, and the Canucks tweeted, um, he's definitely here to watch his hometown team with like a handshake emoji. So I thought that was cool. The Canucks got involved. We don't know the real reason why he was there, if he was there just to support the Canucks. But obviously, I think he was there to scout the Ottawa Senators, just happened to be against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Also, he went on Jimmy Fallon stating he wants to buy the team, but, you know, it's very expensive to purchase an NHL team, so he needs, you know, a sugar daddy or a baby mama or whatever he said with deep pockets to help, you know, buy the team. If he buys the team, he's not purchasing the team just out of his pocket, just him. He'll you need investors. A minority owner. Yeah, you need all other investors and stuff to help you purchase the team, right? And that's what he's looking for. And then this is interesting, and it makes perfect sense, and it would be huge, great, I think it'd be massive for the Ottawa Senators. I think it would only do more good than bad. Bettman said, anything that engages the fan base that brings a lot of attention to the franchise or the team is a plus. He's a very popular and well-respected person. I think it would help their marketing tremendously. I think it would help the team tremendously. And how cool would it be to say, like, Deadpool owns the Ottawa Senators? And the Ottawa Senators have a chance to be a marquee franchise in the NHL. If they get out of that shithole location that they're in right now and get themselves into downtown Ottawa, listen, hockey, listen, I know I keep saying listen. Team USA is probably going to be second to Canada. They're going to be like a favorite at the World Cup of Hockey in 2024, which I cannot wait for. Saw a preview, all three Hughes brothers potentially on the team. That would be incredible. But – at least two of the three are for sure locks, I would say, at this point. But, you know, back to the conversation. Canada is the one team that would be able to dethrone Team USA. And that's Canada's sport. 
right? Like they eat, live, sleep, breathe mm-hmm. hockey. This is Canada's capital. They deserve to have the best. The Ottawa Senators are yep. fun. This is an Ottawa Senators podcast. We made that well known during the offseason. We like the Ottawa Senators on this show because of the moves they have made. And we would cheer for them based on the moves that they have made. They are fun. We like Tim Stutzla. We like Alex Dabrinkit. We like Claude Giroux. Okay? We like Brady Kachuk. This team has a chance to be really fun. I would love if Ryan Reynolds came to the NHL and helped grow this game and helped grow this team. Listen, I love Canadian hockey. I'm American. I'm proud to be American most of the time. Um, Canada's cool, though. I love Canada. I love that he's a big Vancouver Canucks fan. And I, I don't. Think, and I don't think he's all talk about the situation either. The fact no, that he showed no. up to watch the Senators game. Yeah, I think that's big. I agree. And like again. I love that he's a Vancouver Canucks fan. I have the Vancouver Canucks reverse retro as my phone background. I think it's so sweet. Imagine if he was the owner and they did a reverse retro with like Deadpool themed color stuff. That'd be that sick. Would, that would be incredible. It would fit Ottawa too. It would. You it could would definitely make it with black and red or like, yeah, you could definitely do it. Yeah, that'd be sick. And it's so funny that he's known for being Deadpool. I would have never thought that Ryan Reynolds would become known for like being Deadpool. Like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Chris Evans is Captain America. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. That's crazy to me, but it's cool. I like it. Um, my favorite hockey story of the week is a little less fun, but I des- I think it just deserves to shine and praise. It's November. It's Hockey Fights Cancer. Every team in the NHL has their initiative where one night on, on the calendar of November, they will have Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and they will wear the purple jerseys that signify cancer awareness. Everyone in the world is affected by cancer in some way, shape, or form, whether it be them having it themselves, a family member that's close to them, even if it's just being touched by cancer from people you don't know. And being sad that people lose their lives to this disease, it's very sad. Um, I've always been a big supporter of helping cancer initiatives, and I love that the NHL has this. I don't own a Hockey Fights cancer jersey. I would really like to get one to wear around November and wear on the four November shows um, that we have here. Uh, I might make that purchase one day because I do know the proceeds go to cancer research through the NHL, and I'm very excited. You can look up. Uh, what day each NHL team, the Blackhawks already had theirs. And that's currently my phone uh, screensaver right now. Cause I just love setting hockey jerseys in different ways on my phone. But um, yeah, uh, uh, cancer is very sad. A lot of people have been touched by it and I pray for each person that deals with the disease and whether it's any type of cancer here nor there, doesn't matter. Go out there and do what you can to be a good, kind person, and I believe that will lead you a long way. And hockey fights cancer, to me, is a great symbol of being good, kind, everything you need to be to be a good human being. Hockey fights cancer, punch it right in the mouth. It's a very good story, and I I would love one of those purple jerseys. They're cool, and they're different every year. They're different Uh every year, and I like like Adidas' version of them this year. They're white which mm-hmm. normally they're purple, but I like the white ones with the purple trim. Right. Maybe when I see the Devils where there's, they haven't had their Hockey Fights Cancer Night yet. Um, 
part of me thinks it's going to be Saturday when I have a wedding and I'm not going to be able to see it in action and stuff like that. But I, and that's going to be the only devil's game. I'm not covering at least a little bit, probably all season. Well, not all season, but at least in the early going, um, I don't know if it's that night, but every team hockey fights cancer. If you can donate, do it. If you can't find other ways to show support, there are plenty of ways to, be an impactful kind person and this is one of them hockey fights cancer i love it yeah that that's a good story i'm glad you shed light on that absolutely and frank we are going to have some fun including a very special video here in period number three welcome to period three where we normally always talk about i I call it the fun period sometimes we talk hockey Sometimes we talk football, baseball. We're going to talk about all that today. But we're going to lead it off with a little bit of extra fun. Over the weekend, the great Aldo Gandia and his family put on an absolute event at King's Entertainment in Rosemont, you know, Illinois, near the airport, O'Hare. Outstanding time with all the Barroom Network hosts. Not all of them, but Scopes, you should have been there too. Skokes, we're pissed at you. We hate you. Just kidding. We love you very much. We wish you were there. Um, but we had guys like King Pookie show up and hang out. We had guys like Skyler show up and hang out. Um, Foster was there. That's really cool. Lot, lots of fans of the network were there. And then outstanding barroom hosts. I'm not going to be able to name every single one, but the ones I mingled with the most, Mike North, um, Danny Shimon, Neil Stopchinski, um, John Buffon outstanding time i had a lot of fun frank you were there i was there even joey parisi was there and he hasn't made a barroom network appearance since the (laughs) liam hendrix interview i think it was the last time um we have captured some of the great moments in this video that you can enjoy here Gentleman to my right is Skylar Reese. He is a What's going on? He likes to tune in to Bar Down Talking Hockey, Crosstown Crosstalk, and he's starting to become a bigger fan of the rest of the shows on the network. We're going to keep him coming. Hopefully, everybody else joins Skylar and continuing to tune in. Out of all the broadcasters, podcasters that you've ever encountered, listened to, and so forth, where would you rank Vinny Parisi? Top five, easy. Top five, Vinny! I, he got me into uh, like bar school, so I listen to some of their short, uh, their stuff. So he he, ta- he takes a lot of lessons from those, and he incorporates it into his own. And the amount of guests he's able to compile on his shows are just incredible. So that is awesome. That is awesome. That's well, you know when you have a good friend, same top five, and he's not busting your balls. That's quite a compliment. Yeah, I mean, I thought he'd say top one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to eavesdrop on your conversation. Go ahead. We're talking about functional medicine. Oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> hey, tell us who this lovely lady beside you is. It's my beautiful girlfriend, Giovanna. Hi, Giovanna. Hello. You're a really good bowler. Thank you. Wow. Did you teach Frankie? I yeah. did. I did. <laughs> She's a lot better than I am. She can teach me a few things for sure. So. 
Now, Giovanni, you, do you listen to every one of Frank's shows? I do. That is, so how would you evaluate him as a podcaster? Uh, even like before the podcast, he's huge on doing all his research. He's always so prepared. And I think he's, I don't, I don't know, he's just so clear. And I think he, he's just really good at what he does. It's going great. I, I love it. When you enjoy what you do, it, things go by so quickly. You don't even know you realize you're doing it. And honestly, I'm, I'm glad to be on the show and have this podcast. It's a lot of fun. Now, you're a big Chicago Blackhawks fan like I am. What do you think about the rebuild? You know, as a diehard Blackhawks fan, it kind of sucks because you don't like to ever see your team lose, especially when you're this attached to a team. So it kind of sucks, but I'm hoping that the future is brighter. And, you know, all good teams got to go through something like this. It's just part of sports. No one stays good forever. So I'm hoping that by the future, things will be up and running again and we'll be out of this little hole we're in and we'll be back to enjoying the games we love. Now, let's not get mistaken here. The games are still entertaining, even though they lose. But I want to see them win. I want to see them be a contender for the Cup again. And they will in the near future for sure. Which is your favorite French hat? I love his original six hockey hats. I got one of those. I know. <laughs> so what's your prediction for Justin Fields? Is he going to be an all-star, superstar quarterback? 100%. 100%. The past two weeks haven't shown you that. I, I can't help you. He's, he's the future. Anything about Justin Fields' play that worries you? Yeah, pocket awareness. Um, also, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Guys, you can't take those hits. What is your level of confidence that Justin Fields is going to be a franchise all-star quarterback? Nine. Oh, man, he's a ten. He's a ten. I will oh, go God. eight and a half. Oh, <laughs> his answer deserves an ass kicking. You guys take care of that, all right? <laughs> I shot at 83. Joey, we've missed you on Bardown and Crosstown, Crosstalk. Let your fans know what you've been doing the last few months and why you're not on the Bardown yeah, Network. I am working at a bakery, something that I love to do. I'm finally, you know, doing exactly what I love, what I feel like I was born to do. And I was just telling you all, though, earlier, the only bad part about my new career is that I'm not available to be on our shows at 2 p.m. But one day we'll get back to it. Don't count me out. So Frankie and Vinny are doing an amazing job with everything, though. So I have nothing to worry about. I, I can't make fun of any of that because you're absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, we really miss you on the show. But tell us about this young lady. Yes, this is Sarah. This is my beautiful girlfriend, Sarah. Hi. Um, She's honestly the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I've had an amazing year, and it's only going to get better from here, hopefully incorporating the Barroom Network into that. So. And Sarah, how, how is it that you became a better bowler than Joey? <laughs> I wouldn't say about better bowler. He's a, he's better than I am, so he's teaching me. No. You, you've trained her well. Well, one of our first, <laughs> our very first like times ever going out together was a bowling. Oh, bowling awesome. Alley, so. Awesome. Well, you guys make a beautiful couple. You. You're going to have thank beautiful you. kids together <laughs> and beautiful cheesecakes. Well, thank, yes, thank you. Thank you. Here we go, here we go.
beautiful cakes and beautiful babies for JP in that order. <laughs> That's funny. That was, that was funny. a great video. Well put together by Aldo. Thank you, Aldo, for hosting and having everybody out. It was a lot of fun. Did you enjoy the event? I enjoyed it tremendously. It was a lot of fun. Not the biggest bowler. I'm not that great at bowling, but I had fun. Um, I actually did better than I thought I would. Maybe I need to start going a little bit more often. But no, it was a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of cool people. It was just it was just relaxing, and you got to hang out with people who you're you're connected with as part of the network. And it was a lot of fun. Did you enjoy it? Oh, I had a great time. It's always fun mingling with people that you work with and you know don't get to see very often you know outside of through a webcam so yeah i had a lot of fun and i think we should get together and bowl more often because there is something impressive about somebody who just walks up to the bowling alley and is sick without expecting it and i kind of want to be that guy yeah let's do it well yeah there's some interesting bowling alleys out there too there are and and i like like light shows and Mm -hmm. stuff like that like I'm one of those people, I have the light strip, the neon light strip behind my TV. So when it's nighttime, my room looks like a bowling alley because of the light behind the TV. And so, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Whenever I could be around that kind of lighting, I'm always in favor of it. Yeah. Frank, the NFL. We talk about football a fair amount on this show. Nothing this season is going according to plan. The only thing the only thing that's going according to plan for me is that the Bills and the Chiefs are among the two of the three best teams in the league. But your Buffalo Bills just suffered a tough loss to the New York Jets and I warned you. I didn't say that the Jets were going to win outright, but I warned you that this was going to yeah. be a tough game. It's a heartbreaker. They got lost number 2. So now they got to win out if my prediction wants to hold true. Which, see, that's very hard to do because the last game of the season, if they're all booked in, they're just going to play their yep. backups. And that's like, that's a, almost, well, not a guaranteed loss, but I mean. Only one bye now, though, and the Chiefs and them have the same record now. Right. So they might um, play them. It's very, it's very interesting. Still very high on the Chiefs or the Bills. I think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year still. I'm not, very definitely hard. not rescinding my answer there. Um, so for sure, I'm still very well on the bills. The bills look great. I mean, you're going to have games like those where you lose a close game to a team that you should win when you're double digit favorites, right? That's going to happen. It's all part of sports. Look at last year, the freaking uh, Indianapolis Colts were what? 15 and a half point favorites against the Jaguars. All they had to do was win the game, but nope, the Jaguars won. It's just part of sports. When a team should win, you think they're going to win. It doesn't always turn out that way. Otherwise, it would be too predictable. Nobody would watch the games. It's all so it, stuff like that happens. Stuff like that happens. I'm fine with it. I got nothing against the Jets. I still think the Bills, you know, the, the Bills are going to. It happens all the time when a team loses to a team they should beat. So go, Bills. You know, you never know. 15 and 2 is still possible. Not as likely, but it's still possible. Why are the Jets the Jets, though? What like, do don't they have the same record now? The Jets and the Bills? I thought the Jets had three losses. Maybe they do. I think this is more about good Jets than bad Bills, though. I do. 
I, I think listen, I'm I think the Jets are pretty good. Zach they Wilson, good. I, I love Zach Wilson. I told you they had a chance to this was a trap game for the Bills. Now you can win a trap game, but this was well, a I didn't game. think the Bills would cover. This, that was a lot of points to cover. What was it? It was like 10 and a half. See, here's the thing though. The Bills, all of the, the – and this is going to be a problem in the playoffs, and this is why I think the Bills are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I, I think they're a contender. But all of their wins are blowouts. I'm pretty sure every single one of their wins are blowouts. Mm-hmm. That's not how the playoffs work. Can they beat the Chiefs in a game where you need to make that final play offensively? We saw they were able to beat the Chiefs when they needed to make that final play defensively. Von Miller is – I mean, Von Miller is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. It wouldn't surprise me if he has his number retired by two teams. But offensively, they rely on Josh Allen a lot. Their run game isn't what it should be. They need. I, I thought they were going to be the team that landed McCaffrey. And I still believe even though they're 4-4 four and four and they've been very injured, I believe the 49ers have a top-five roster in the NFL. And if they can, they're starting to get a little healthy. And if McCaffrey can get going in their offense, I do think they're going to go on a run. Um, it might be hard to get past the Seahawks in that division now, but I, I have a problem though. And this Bills conversation leads me to it. I'm not that high on the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. They're great. They're going to be the one seed. They'll win a playoff game, I would assume. I just don't think they're as elite as the Bills or the Chiefs. No, they no, would be not. they would be fourth or fifth on my power rankings. I think the Bengals are better. The Bengals had the Bengals' first three losses are by a combined eight points, and then they got killed by the Browns on Monday Night Football, and it was just an outlier game. They've since come back and just got a huge win. Mixon had five touchdowns. Now they're on a bye at five and four. I think they're going to go on a run. I think they're the third best team in the AFC. I would put them ahead of the Dolphins. I would put them ahead of who the Jets. I would take them over the Jets. I would take them over New England, of course. Wow. I think New England stinks. Yeah, they but, do. Um, Got a great defense, though. They do have a great defense. I don't know about Mac Jones, though. Um, I just – I'm not – oh, you know who might be just as good as the Bengals, too? The Ravens. The Ravens are very good, and Lamar Jackson is a stud. But I like Burrow slightly more, I think, but I'm not positive on that. Well, that's TBD, but I think they're better than the Chargers. And so when it when I place the Eagles, I'm like, okay, the NFC's whack. I mean, like the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs, so are the Giants. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be last and second to last going into the season, like I truly did. Even the Bears put up competitive games. And that's another thing I wanted to get your take on. Well, you can answer about the Eagles first. Oh, about – I thought you were going to ask me the Bears too. Um, yeah, the Eagles, I don't – it's almost – remember when the Cardinals were undefeated and then it's like – or no, was it not the Cardinals? No, the Steelers. The Steelers. And it's like, all right, the Steelers may be the worst 10-0 and team we've ever seen. I don't think it's that situation for the Eagles. I do think the Eagles are very talented. I got to agree with you, though. I have the Chiefs and the Bills above on the power rankings right now, which obviously if you're looking at it and be like, well, how could you have the Chiefs or the Bills ahead of an undefeated team? Well, it's just that's just how it is right now. Power they have the better rosters. Rankings. Those right. are standings. Exactly. And 
the the teams that the Bills had to play and the Chiefs had to play and the, and the way they play certain games make them better than the Eagles. Now, as far as the Eagles go, I do think they're going to make the playoffs. Obviously, when you start out eight and zero, it's hard to miss the playoffs, unless you really fell off a cliff and finish eight and nine, which that's not going to happen. Um, but I do think the Eagles have a talented roster. I think Jalen Hurts is he's a very talented quarterback. Absolutely. Um, I just I don't see them making a run this year. Um, it, to me, if they make a run, maybe like the seventy four Dolphins, they go seventeen and all and win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't see something like that happening. But to me, it's like all in or bust. It's either that something like that's going to happen, or they're just going to get humiliated in the first round. I don't even think they're going to win a playoff game. You have them winning a playoff game. They might not even win a playoff game. Depends who they play. Um, it'll be in the second round. They'll get the bye. Um, you listen, you have to beat the teams on your schedule and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I don't, I like strength of schedule. It's not college football where you can like control your schedule. Like your non-conference, um, your non-conference games in college football, you scheduled years in advance, right? Like mm-hmm. whenever at like, I'm trying to think of a big non conference schedule game when like when Notre Dame plays Clemson right like those are scheduled years in advance so you do control your own schedule in college football and football it's based on your record the year before who your division is and what division from each conference you're playing each each year so like this year the NFC North the Bears Packers Lions and Vikings they're playing the teams that in the NFC that came in the same place as them last year from the other divisions, mm-hmm. then one whole NFC division, then one whole AFC division. And then the extra game is an AFC opponent who finished with the same uh, place as them last year. That's the 17th game. Mm-hmm. So it, again, you, you play the teams on your schedule, but when I'm ranking power rankings, that's when you could take schedule into consideration when evaluating teams. Right. The Eagles beat the one in six lions by three. They beat Kirk Cousins in primetime. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Quality win. They had Cooper Rush as their quarterback, though. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a bottom three team in the NFL. They beat the Commanders. They struggled, but pulled out a win against the 1-6 Houston Texans. They beat Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just got their third win of the season over the weekend. And they beat the Arizona Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins. Their quality win is the Cowboys, even with Cooper Rush. I I don't give a crap about Kirk Cousins in primetime beating the Minnesota Vikings as a, a quality win. And I would say the Cardinals are kind of a quality win. Yeah. For, I mean, for the, the most part, stink, but... the Cardinals do kind of stink, but like they have good players that can beat you. I'm I'm out on Kyler Murray. I think too. I hate really? to say it. I liked Kyler Murray, but man, I don't. He looks terrible. I blame the he team. Can't move anymore. There he used to be the guy who's electric. Will run with the ball, toss it on the run. He can't do that anymore. And that has nothing to do with the team. If you can't move or run, you just you can't make those plays. No, I agree. I agree with you. He's not been good. I just. I find it hard to believe that in year three would be the year he starts to stink. Like in year one or two, he was great. In year one and two, he was great. And now he stinks. Like part of me wonders if the offense, like I think Cliff Kingsbury, I, I thought he was going to be the first coach fired 
And then um, Indianapolis fired their coach, mm-hmm. which we could talk about that if you want to. That's the most – that's the craziest coaching hire I've ever seen in the history of any sport I've watched. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. I, I try not to exaggerate, but I'll explain my theory why in a second. But I don't know about the Cardinals, but listen, the Eagles are great. I, they're elite. They're an elite team. I'm mm-hmm. not going to deny that. They would kill the Bears by 50. Like – Maybe Justin Fields is really good. Um, but I just I would take them, I would take the Bills, I would take the Chiefs, I would take the Chiefs over everyone. I would take the Bengals. I think I would take the Dolphins. I think if they played again, the Vikings would win. I don't know. I just maybe not the Vikings. I don't know. I'm wishy-washy on the Vikings. You know my preseason prediction mm-hmm. that was to win the division and maybe a playoff game. Now it's like the Vikings could either flame out in the first round or they could win the Super Bowl. Their roster is great. And I know nobody trusts Kirk Cousins in prime time or against above 500 teams. He doesn't have to be that good. Right. He's better than Nick Foles was. And Nick Foles won the Super Bowl in a game where Tom Brady threw for 500 yards. So, yes, I do think the Vikings can win the Super Bowl. I just don't know if they're going to. But the NFC is hard, man. So maybe because the NFC is so lame, the Eagles can go on a run. But because I can't think of who would beat them. Every team I named that's better than them is in the AFC. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Dolphins. Then you start thinking about the 49ers. I actually would take the 49ers over the Eagles. No, I don't think I would. I actually think the 49ers would beat and cover against the Eagles. No, no, no. Let's not get carried away. Not getting carried away. That roster is awesome. Trey Lance Lance went one and three. Trey Lance. Are you out on Trey Lance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I said they should have never not played Jimmy G. I told you that over the – Jimmy G is Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles. He's good enough if the roster is elite. The San Francisco 49ers roster is elite. They're four and four. Shouldn't have started Lance. Lance getting hurt was the best thing that ever happened to the 49ers. <laughs> Sorry. The Bears beat Lance. I don't care what the weather was like. I agree. And Lance went third overall. Fields went 10th or 11th. Yeah. So you're the Bears. Justin Fields looked great and they still lost. It's kind of like the Blackhawks looking great and still lose. Like it's, it's a good thing. Here's the thing. I never thought I would watch a Bears game that would be like a Chiefs-Bills game where it's a shootout. Yeah, right? That was like – I well. Th- Part of the reason is the Bears traded away their whole defense, but it's yes. a for a different day. The two best players probably on the team. And now it's like you're playing these shootout-style games like against two in the Dolphins. Um, it was very fun to watch. I, had, I thought for a second the Bears were going to pull the upset. I really did. The problem is they couldn't stop the offense of the Dolphins, and I think that's what's hurting the Bears right now because you traded away so many key guys on defense. Yes, I agree. Listen, I'm happy they traded Quinn and Roquan Smith, to be honest with you, because Quinn makes the Eagles better. That That's a plus for the Eagles. I'll give them that. And listen, two teams in NFL history have had extreme success with linebackers. It's the Ravens and it's the Bears. Roquan Smith, one of the best linebackers, goes to the Ravens. We'll see what happens with them, but I think they're better than the Eagles too. But – yeah, I'm I'm high on the 49ers. I really am. 
Uh, like, I don't think there are two teams that I don't think their record, their record's not bad, but it's not indicative of what their team is at full strength. It's the right. Bengals and it's the 49ers. If they played each other in the Super Bowl, I'd be 0% surprised. It's just the 49ers haven't done anything that's like really caught my eye that much. Yeah. It, again, maybe it was the, the slow start. It is. The, yeah. Probably is. But Skoke said that he loved the Claypool trade too, which, yeah, Claypool looked pretty good. I mean, obviously, for his first game, it takes a little bit to get into the groove of things, but he looked fine. I like the way he looked. His stats would have looked so much better. Or I guess I don't know if it would have impacted his stats, but that was fucking pass interference. Oh, 100%. That was pass interference. I don't care. I'm not a homer. I say the right thing. It is. It was pass interference. It was pass interference. I guarantee you, which way you slice. If you get Gene Steratore on the thing, he would have said it's pass interference. Gene Steratore, Gene. I guarantee you, he would have said it was. I thought it was pass. I my jaw hit the floor. Me too. I could not believe what I was watching. I agree. Throw the damn flag. Stokes obviously. Throw the damn flag, Stokes. Frank, the college football playoff. It's uh-huh. causing some disruptions in the family. I think you're going to hate me by the time it's all said and done Probably. because because you just got to understand the committee's a bunch of dummies and you you got to look I'm, at it. I'm, from fine the with the, I'm fine with the predict or the with the way it is right now. Yeah, it's but you, fair. you told me I was on glue for saying Tennessee wouldn't be in the top four. But then I started to I started to come down to earth. I think my mind was clouded. And I said, all right, the five minimum. I said five from the beginning. Right. I thought four. If Alabama I, lost. I if thought Alabama four, won, Tennessee would be six. I hate to tell you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, but they didn't. Alabama's cooked. They're done. Tennessee could still get in. Tennessee will get in. Uh, I don't know. Not if they get killed by Georgia. In the, that's what I'm saying. Championship game again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The final, it's going to be... TCU's not staying in there. It's all nice and dandy that they get their time to shine. Huh? How is TCU going to get out? Who's going to be stuck? If Tennessee goes in, you think Michigan or Ohio State's going to get out? They play each other. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that, actually. It's for sure. This is my my final prediction right now, unless there's a crazy upset. I, I think this is probably the clearest it's been in my brain. On November 9th in a long time. Because normally there's more than one game that causes intrigue. For me, it's going to end up being Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Oregon. That's going to be your college football playoff. So Tennessee's not going to get in. Unless they beat Georgia. And see, if Tennessee beats Georgia, then they both get in. Georgia's going to win the national championship. I think so, too. Undefeated. Yeah, the only Tennessee team in their way it. that can beat them is Tennessee. I mean, and if they play against Oregon and their studly quarterback goes off, listen, maybe? Oregon's good. Oregon's I don't good. think They're Oregon's be great going forward. I don't think Oregon's got what it takes to win this year. Bo Nix is great. Don't get me wrong. Auburn transfer, he was great with Auburn, but. This isn't Oregon's year, and I don't even think they make it in the top four. Who's going to beat them? 
one of the five, one, any, anybody above them. What do you mean? Who's going to beat them? If they're not going to they get in. Oh, if they don't lose a game the rest of the season, they're in. You think? Because, yes, because one of the SEC teams will get booted and one of Michigan, Ohio State will get booted. Yeah. Not if Tennessee wins. Tennessee can't win every – Tennessee and – oh. If Tennessee beats Georgia, then two SEC teams are in. I Okay. You got me. Oregon's five if Tennessee wins. Then it would go – then it would go Ohio State, TCU. Yeah, it'd go Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Tennessee. If Tennessee wins? Yeah. The SEC? No. Yeah. Georgia would be four then. You think Tennessee would go back to one? No, I think they'd be two or three. And Ohio the State would be one? Yeah, because the conference championship will be weighted more than the regular season win. Tennessee's win will be weighted more than Georgia's win, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, it's a bigger game. Yeah, and you also get that like stamp of being the SEC right. champion. Yeah. You are the champion of the best football league in the world that's not the NFL, the SEC. And that takes weight over being the Pac-12 champion. And that takes weight over being the Big Ten champion, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It goes, in my opinion, it goes SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12. That's the ranking of dominance of the five group, uh, power five. Fair. But I, like I do it. think, I last year there was so much more intrigue. Because, like, Cincinnati could lose any game. Right, even to a team that like they're a group of five school could just randomly lose. TCU um, could still lose that. though. Um, all right, let's. I mean, it's possible. I don't know TCU schedule. I just don't see. Like looking at it blindly, I don't see how. But I guess we can look at their schedule. Teams T. Let's find T. I don't even know what T stands for. Trevor. Huh. I don't know. I just threw out a T name. Trevor? Mm-hmm. They play Texas this week. And let me tell you, VP, Texas is seven-point favorites against TCU. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> they play Texas at Texas. Yeah. If We'll say beat... goodbye to TCU. Insert Tennessee. Texas record. Texas has how many losses? Uh, three. Oh, that'll be good soon. Texas is coming. They will make the college. They will make the college football playoff while it's still four. My prediction. Wow. They will make the. Here's the thing, though. There's one problem for Texas that I just forgot about. I rescind that prediction. Texas is about to join the SEC. They might get their shit kicked in the first few years that they're in the SEC. That's that's tough. If they lose this week, TCU, they're out. Let's look at the if rankings. They, if they beat Texas, I think they're a shoo-in. Dude, if you know who's rooting for that so hard? Mm. USC, UCLA, Ole Miss. Ole Miss can get back. Dude, maybe there is more intrigue than I thought. If TCU wins this week, it will delete a lot of intrigue. But if Texas pulls off this upset. Is it really an upset? They're seven-point favorites. Okay, it's not an upset in that way. But in terms of 
the number four team losing to the or the number is it three or four? Four. If the number four team loses to the number eighteen team, I would call that an upset. Yeah. It's an upset in like the grand scheme of things. In the betting world, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like Clemson losing Notre Dame, though. But Notre Dame were slight underdogs. A lot of people thought Notre Dame could do it. It was an upset, I guess, because you see these unranked teams beating number four. But if you really look deeper, it's not that big of an upset. I understand what you're saying. And that's kind of the same situation here. Yeah. If Texas wins, I'm not shocked. Would a two-loss LSU team with a win over Bama get in over a one-loss USC team? USC? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. USC's a big football school. Yeah, but what were their key wins? Their key wins came over Utah, and that's it. Okay, exactly. I hold more... But they play UCLA and Notre Dame before the season's over. Twelve and twenty. I think 20. UCLA is a little bit overrated, in my opinion. Chip but it Kelly, would be a, they might be, but it would be a quality win. It would be a quality resume. win. Yeah, but I think Alabama's like that's a cream of the crop quality win. Yeah. That's like an S tier quality win. Yes, but two losses. I mean, but then you start talking about two loss Alabama again, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Very interesting. I love it. I look forward to Tuesdays. Oh, me, too. me too. Ole Miss will get back in the conversation, though, I think. They have one loss. Another one loss SEC team. When you lose matters. Oh, absolutely. You lose at the beginning, you still have a chance. You lose late, fucking see ya. Right. I No, I agree. Um, Michigan and Ohio State, that's going to be – oh, my God. That is going to be – unbelievably awesome saturday november the 26th let's go wow that's uh 17 dates yep that's two days after thanksgiving if i recall correctly yeah i don't know off the top of my head what day of the week or what number day it is but oh that's gonna be i think so it's awesome. the 24th yeah thanksgiving yeah 100 I, I don't know i always it's so hard to remember like what day it is because it's always the fourth Thursday of November, yep. but it's never the same day. So it's like I never have it right. Yeah, like, it's like Easter. Easter is based on the moon. Right. And that's why I never remember what day Easter's on because it's Easter's based on the freaking moon. For the first time in Joey Parisi's life, it lands on his birthday in 2023. Is it, is it really April 9th? It is April 9th, 2023. Damn. Isn't that unbelievable? We always that's knew nice. it had a chance to happen, but I wouldn't want my birthday on. Like a holiday. Oh, see, he's pumped. Really? He's like, he's making claims that like he's more important than like he's going to be celebrated more than Jesus that day. Like he's, he's Jesus that day. He, he, we're all getting together to celebrate the birth of Joe. <laughs> see, I wouldn't want that. I don't know. Or like Christmas. <laughs> if I was born on Christmas, that would be kind of. I mean, shit. My birthday's 14 days before Christmas. How do you think I feel? I don't know. Well, that's a, well, a little bit different, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I hear you, VP. Yep. Uh, I think TCU is going to beat Texas. Um, see, I, I don't know. I don't know. If Okay. That game, there will be so much more clarity, though, after that game. I think they might get Texas at home. It's a tough place to play. College football wants Texas to lose, though, and I'll tell you why. 
They don't want to have to make a decision. The committee would love for it to be easy so they don't get ridiculed because they are going to get ridiculed by at least two fan bases if TCU loses because then they're going to have to pick between USC, LSU, Alabama, UCLA, Ole Miss, all every one of those schools but one is going to be extremely pissed at the committee if TCU loses. Yeah. And they all have good cases for themselves. Oh, they do, for sure. In my opinion, I would go USC. I think USC is great. And when they join the Big Ten, and when they join the Big Ten and start slaughtering some Big Ten schools, they'll get the respect they deserve. Yeah, it'll take a while, but yeah, it will take a while. 100%. By the way, do you have any good dad jokes? Um, dad jokes. Um, what time is it when you have to go to the dentist? I don't know what time. Tooth hurdy. <laughs> there you go, Christian. Tooth hurdy. Yeah. He liked it. He liked it. Frank, the Houston Astros won the World Series. That's kind of a dad joke. Oh, you they care? did? I don't even care. You don't even care. You probably I don't. I did not watch the celebration at all. Shut that shit off right away. I didn't That's even like I, I really don't care at all. Do you know who won MVP? No. I, wow. I lost all interest as soon as they won. Wow. Frankie hates baseball. Who won MVP? Jeremy Pena. I'm not rookie. surprised. The rookie. I like their parade got no media coverage. No one, no. everyone hates them. Right. So, like, nobody cares. The cheating thing, you can't make fun of them anymore, though. I mean, I could. They got, they, I mean, yeah, why can't you make fun of them? Because they, as an organization, they proved they didn't need to do it to win. So why did they do it in the first place? It gives you a 1% chance, and a 1% chance in baseball is everything. Right. Or a 1%, not 1% chance, a 1% advantage. It's still scummy. They're still No, it's scummy. Listen, I don't like the four guys or the five guys. supports cheating. (laughs) There are five guys on the 2022 Astros that were on the 2017 Astros. Can you name them? Um, Jose Altuve. Okay. Alex Bregman. Kyle Tucker. Nope. He wasn't on there. Nope. Uh oh, Martin Maldonado. Nope. He wasn't there either. Nope. Well then, uh, Lance McCullers. Yep. You're missing a huge one. Was it Verlander? Verlander. Who's the fourth or the fifth? Is it uh uh Dude. Ryan Presley? Nope. You know the player. Well, I, I know a lot of the players. You probably know all of them. Um Frankie's thinking of the fifth player that he didn't name. And I somehow knew Altuve would be the first. Um, I'm trying to go through their lineup. But everybody I go through, I know, like, Mancini wasn't there. Pena wasn't there. Um, trying to think of who else. Oh, uh, Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel. There we go. I was going through their batting order in my head. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I knew you'd pick it up eventually. You just watched your Seattle Mariners get absolutely fucking shit canned by them. But and you then can't I even... thought of him. I, what's his name? Yeah, dude. The Astros 
pitching was as good as any pitching I've ever seen in the playoffs. It was. They 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 deserved to win the World Series. They were the best team in the league. Yep. Um, the Dodgers had a better record slightly, but I mean, the Houston Astros, man, they're just so damn good. They've they broke the White Sox. Hopefully, they didn't break the Mariners. Dude, I hope not. Julio's gonna get AL Rookie of the Year, so it all, it all works. Yeah, out. yeah. Julio will get AL Rookie of the Year. I think Cease is gonna come in second for the Cy Young. Scott Service or Service, he's uh up for Manager of the Year. Yes, and he might win it. You know what? I was stunned. Freaking Rob Thompson isn't nominated for the National League. Thank you, Christian. Have a good yeah, one, thanks, man. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for stopping by. What'd you say? Um, Rob Thompson, the Phillies coach, not manager of the year nominee for Philly. Yeah. Uh, I just because he made the World Series, though, does no I mean, playoffs don't count at all. I think right, getting that but... team, they got to the playoffs from twenty two and twenty nine. That's manager of the year type stuff. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, think about all the managers who are nominated. It's the three Mariners NL. is like you you made history for the first time in twenty seven no, years. The NL and the NL and AL are separate. I, I Skyler, I think nailed the reason why he wasn't named. He's technically an interim manager, and I don't know if they're eligible. But there were people bitching about it, so I don't know if they are eligible. They who's might el- be. Who, who's nominated in the NL? Freaking the three 100-win teams. Dodgers. Uh, Buck, Showalter. Dave Roberts. Um, Dave Roberts, who had a terrible year as a manager. The Dodgers won because they have an elite player with a four <laughs> war or more at every position. Dodgers fans hate Dave Roberts right now. Talk to a Dodgers fan. Go to Dodgers way. Go to the fan side. It's Dodger. No, I know Skyler. You know that he thinks you. You think he should be. He absolutely should be. Go to the Dodgers fan side site right now. Their DMs are open. Say, hey, did you enjoy what Dave Roberts did as a manager this season? They will say no. I just couldn't believe that Rob Thompson was. It's got to be because he's interim. There's just no other explanation for the team that was so bad to start the year to fire their coach. Their coach that's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame, Joe Girardi. Mm-hmm. They fired him and brought this guy up, and they make it to the World Series. I mean, again, playoffs don't matter, but to even make the playoffs, did I'm telling Frankie Mueller in June when they're 22 and 29 that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to sneak in as the last wild card team, <laughs> team over the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, what? I mean, it is, it's a little shocking for sure. But no yeah, Frank, I mean, it was what I was going to say. What were you going to say? It was just entertaining. It was entertaining. Absolutely. This has been a great show. We are going to end it with America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Bitch! I truly believe that Frankie Mueller is one of the top three sports minds in the world. Love talking to him that. about sports. Love talking to you about sports. You know why I like talking to you about sports? Why is that? You're one of the few people I can have an intelligent conversation with about every single sport. <laughs> and you're biased towards your narratives, like your Ovechkin narrative, your mm-hmm. Bill narrative. You stay, you stay true to your narratives. And you have a hard time backing off of them sometimes, even when you should. 
I do that too. But you do unbiasedly talk about every league, and I appreciate that. So make people some money. You've got the bronze. Frank's got the brains. Let's make lots of uh, uh. Well, I got three picks on the agenda for today. Of course, I'm going to start off with a hockey pick. Pittsburgh Penguins go to play the Washington Capitals. It's the TNT game tonight. Should be, you know, that's a good rivalry game. Pittsburgh has stunk it up. They've lost seven in a row. Um, That's pretty bad. However, if there's ever a time for them to get out of this rut, it's against the Capitals. It's going to be an entertaining, gritty, grindy type of game. And I think the Pittsburgh Penguins finally end their losing streak tonight in Washington with the Pittsburgh money line at minus 130. It's kind of surprising that they're the favorite on the road in this big of a slump. But it's a light, they're a light favorite. I think now's the time to take them. They're going to snap that losing streak uh, eventually. And if I'm the Capitals, I'm worried because you know how talented the Pittsburgh Penguins roster is. And now you got to play them when they're due for a win. And that win comes tonight, I think. Pittsburgh money line at minus 130 is pick number one. Then we did a lot of talking college football on here. We got some Maction tonight. Vin, you like Maction? Oh, I love Maction. Well, we got Buffalo playing Central Michigan tonight. Buffalo's been the better team this season. They're five, five and four. They go to Central Michigan to play a three and six squad. Central Michigan, I mean, they could get it done when they need to. They just they make a lot of mistakes. They turn the ball over a lot, and when you make a lot of turnovers and mistakes, that leads to losses. Hence, why they're three and six. However, Buffalo is just because Buffalo's got the better record. I don't think they're that much better than Central Michigan. And with Central Michigan being home tonight, I'd have to give them the edge. And I like Central Michigan money line at minus 134. Regardless, if you take the pick and you watch the game, you're probably going to be entertained. There's usually a lot of scoring in Maction. I've been entertained watching Maction games. So tune in. Why not? Take the pick. Take Central Michigan money line at minus 134. And I think you'll have fun regardless. Now, Go ahead. Were you going to say? No, you go ahead. Now, this third pick, this one's very interesting. If I tell you, Vin, the Milwaukee Bucks are playing the Oklahoma Thunder tonight, and you had to bet your life on it, who are you taking? I mean, of course I would say the Milwaukee Bucks. You're going to take the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Oklahoma Thunder money line tonight gets it done. No Giannis tonight. Oh. No. I don't think I don't think Drew Holiday's playing. The Bucks opened up at the NBA is such a joke. The NBA well, first of all, they just got their first loss. They were nine and zero. Now they're nine and one. So losing two in a row seems a bit unlikely with this team. However, the Bucks opened up as minus seven favorites. Right now they're minus one and a half. That's how much the line dropped. And you would think how. People are like, oh, I can get the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one team in the NBA, and almost to pick them, I'm going to load the house on that. No, no, no. See, that's that's why the books end up making money. I'm not saying it's a shoe-in that the Thunder win this game, but there's no way in hell I would ever take the Bucks with how fishy it's moved from minus seven to minus one and a half. No Giannis, no Holiday. No, no, no. I think, and the Thunder stink. Let me tell you, the Thunder are pro- one of the worst teams in the league. And with this line, just I, I think you got to take the Thunder money line at plus 108. They're at home. It seems unlikely that the Bucks are going to lose two in a row, so they might not. But I think with how everything I just stated prior to my me making this pick, I think you have to go with the Thunder. It makes the most sense. 
Sure, there's great value with a light favorite taking the Bucks as the best team in the NBA, but it just this doesn't seem like the right spot to do it. I think this is a massive trip. I would suggest taking Thunder money line at plus 108, or if you want to take the one and a half points or two points, if you so choose, you can do that too. I, I'm always leery with taking one or two points. If you lose by one, you beat me. Congratulations, right? But scared money don't make money. Take the Thunder money line at plus 108. And we'll see what happens at the end of the night. Very interesting. That's that's true research right there. Because any idiot would go, oh, the box? They got Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Bro, say his fucking name right, first of all. That's why you, you just can't. You got to put in the research, man. You have to put in research, especially yeah. in the NBA. Is Giannis actually injured or is this load management bullshit? I don't know. I could check really quick if you want to. I mean, if you tell me it's load management, I'm just going to shit down the NBA's throat. It's, uh, we'll see. Hold on. We could get there fairly quickly. I mean, uh, I just, I just hate load management. The, the Thunder aren't even 500 and they're almost a pick them. So that's just there tells you. It is. Oh, and no Pat Cunningham either. He's, he's out tonight too. Yep. Thunder are going to smoke him. It says uh, Anthony Cupo, his knee, so a knee injury, has been ruled out. Oh, okay. I hope he's okay. I like Giannis. I'm not the biggest NBA fan. I love the Bulls. The NBA is the sport where I'm just like an irrational fan. I don't really cover it professionally. I write a Bulls article every now and then. But, again, I don't cover it profusely like I do the MLB, NHL, and NFL. So I have no problem saying the NBA – it makes me so angry when I see that half the lineup sitting for load management. Yep. Like I hate that too. So annoying. So annoying. Like how is basketball harder than hockey and the hockey players play every day? Yeah. It, and it's very hard for teams to win on a back to back in the NBA. I've done crucial research and I've kept track of it for the past couple of years. I would say 80% of NBA teams lose their second game on a back-to-back. Wow. We're in hockey. That's not the case. I followed it in hockey, too. It's like teams come out the next night and win back-to-back in hockey. It's very weird. I don't understand, but it's like I would have to say, if you kept track of all the games through the whole through the whole NBA season, I'd say 80% of the teams lose their second of a back-to-back. Yeah, I agree with that. And when Maybe next hockey, year I'll do it from the beginning and I'll keep track of every team in the NBA from a back-to-back. Or if yeah. there's a website out there that shows this that, I'd love to know. But. I'll look into it. But in hockey, it seems like when a team is on the second half of a back-to-back, they come out strong. Yeah. I've seen but it win they, more they, often they than not. At the end. And that happened with the Flames yesterday. The Devils were two days rested and the Flames were on the second half of a back-to-back. And the Flames shit down their throat in the first period. They were ready to play. They were ready to rock. They were in a rhythm. The Devils looked like they sat on their ass for two straight days because they did, besides practice. And nothing nothing beats a game. But the Devils' rested legs came to benefit them down the stretch of the game, and they ended up winning. The Flames flamed out, no pun Mm -hmm. intended. So, like – I agree. There's, there's a lot. So if the Flames would have gotten out to like a three or four goal lead though early while they had the legs, that probably makes it easier to win. So you got to come out firing if you're in the second half of a back-to-back in hockey. But there's a reason they don't do it in the playoffs for anyone. It's just very weird, man. 
It is very weird. That's Breaking Bets. Make lots of money with Frank Mueller. What a great show. It was um, a great show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. What was your favorite part? Um, I, To me, when you have a show as great as it was, it's hard to choose your favorite part. My favorite part was the beginning because I knew we had a whole two and a half hours ahead of us to just talk about the great See, game of hockey, football, baseball. I like that. I mean, it's very hard to choose what's your favorite part when you talk about so many good topics. So, Yeah, this was a great sheet. This was a great show. It went smooth. Yeah, it absolutely went smooth. And as I always say, that's our show. It was a great time. Um, I enjoyed everybody in the chat. Skylar, Christian, um, Skokes, King Pookie, thank you very much for joining the conversation. The NHL is absolutely on fire right now. I mean, it's just, uh, I said at the beginning of the show, we're, we're entering the golden era. Every team has players worth watching. Every team, for a different reason, has a great storyline that is compelling and makes you want to be a part of it to the fullest extent. And I can't encourage people enough to tune into Frankie Mueller's work at apptrigger.com, where he's going over the great video game scene. Modern Warfare 2 is out. NHL 23 is out. This new... Um, God of War Ragnarok is a came out today. Amazing. Yeah, today? it's apparently amazing. And it got a 10 out of 10, I think. Yeah, people are loving this game. Makes me want to go buy a PS5 right fucking you know, now. I don't want to cut you off because no, you're doing a great job and I don't want to ruin your momentum, but you say we're in the golden age of hockey. This year has been a golden age for video games. Elden Ring, Modern Warfare 2, I don't know if you knew this. I was telling Joey. It broke, it broke a record. It reached $1 billion in revenue within 10 days. The quickest wow. for any Call of Duty in franchise history. And now you got Ragnarok, which got a 10 out of 10. I mean, this is the season right here. This has been one of the best years for video games. Truly That's has. Amazing. And Frankie Mueller is covering it all, I assume, on apptrigger.com. Absolutely. Has there be an article for each one of those oh, things? Yeah. Has, there been, has there been a Ragnarok article yet? Not yet, but there will be. There's been a lot of Call of Duty articles. Yeah, I've been yeah. seeing the Call of Duty articles. I'm excited for the Ragnarok article, though. Oh, they're coming, on, trust me. Get on that shit. That's the get next one I'm shit. writing, I think. Hell yeah, get on that shit. I'm excited to see it. And then, of course, you could read all my stuff across various fan-sided networks. Of course, Puck Pros. I just recently released an article on a topic we covered today on this show. I always try to have a Puck Pros article based on a topic that we're discussing on this show. This week, it's Connor McDavid and his outstanding goal scoring. It's already on Twitter. It's going to go on Facebook. Make sure you uh, read that. Pucks and Pitchforks covering the New Jersey Devils. I recently wrote a think piece about possibly trading for um, Quinton Hughes. We didn't really touch on it on this show too often, but the Vancouver Canucks are open for business, according to their president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford. So make sure you give that a read. Talking about all things Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs offseason, Jose Abreu is about to sign with the Cubs. A.J. Pollock opted out of his deal with the White Sox. Wilson Contreras declined his qualifying offer so he's going to be a free agent talked about where free uh wilson Contreras might want to go you can see those two topics along with the chicago bears combined and the chicago blackhawks combined between southsideshowdown.com and dewindycity.com i highly encourage everybody you could follow at the king bean on twitter you could follow at vinnie parisi on twitter for frankie mueller my name is vinnie parisi as always thank you for listening I'm not